You know, one of my favorite ways to start this shit off, Chris, is to give you a question out of the blue yeah. and make oh yeah oh yeah. Got to make you quick react on your feet. Want to see how good you answer? So, Chris, yeah, here's a hypothetical scenario. Follow along with me. All right. Think about something that either you have, either a it's just like just something you've been blessed with, a a a a talent, something that you excel at. So, uh, uh, think about Chris. Think about something okay. that is great about you. You don't you you don't have to be humble here. And then also think about something that you suck at, something that's you you wish was better, something you wish would be better for you or that you could do better. And I want you to take those two and swap them. If you okay. could be if you could be extremely great at this thing, but the sacrifice would be you would be horrible at this thing. What would those two things be? Oh man, but I'd have to give up the thing I'm good at. Yes. No, uh, yes. You're basically taking something that's bad and making good, and you're taking something that's good and making it bad. It's a sacrifice reward scenario. And it could be anything. It could be a, a talent you have. It could be. It could also be something that you wish you could do or would do better. Here's a here's a stupid, literally off the top of my head example. Let's say that you were you were blessed with with a a a godly physique. Let's say you had the you you, you just had this awesome body, but you sucked at sports. No, you swap the two. You just say fuck it. I'll I'll let my body go, but I'll be the fucking best at sports. Any any sport yeah. I play. I play on the streets with my friends, I play for high school, whatever, and I'm great. Which, I guess those two don't really match up, but you get what I'm saying. Alright. So, this is kind of topical for my week. Um, I am, apparently, amazing at Will of Fortune. (laughs) Oh, okay. Out of the blue? Yeah, Uh, and I'll go into that when we talk about weeks, but I'm apparently amazing at Will of Fortune. Okay. Um... I would sacrifice that for the ability to not spend so much money. <laughs> is, is, Chris, is this also topical for your week? No, 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 not really. <laughs> okay. I I've okay. been good this week, I think. But okay. I, I am really good at balancing and managing money. Mm-hmm. But any time there's a surplus, I am terrible about saving. Mm. So I'm good at planning out money. But not, you know, keeping that reserve. I'm getting better, but, um, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, I'll touch on that for a minute. A lot of people, a lot of people like to bash people that don't save, that, mm-hmm. that it's always, you know, I understand that saving money is good, but you know what you need to have in order to save? You need to have money. <laughs> and my friends, we live in a world where when you have things, that money goes away. The it's it, of course you can save money if you have a job that pays fairly decent and you have no other responsibilities. Like when you're a teenager, perfect time to save money. 
you're living home with mom and dad or mom or dad or mom and mom or dad, whatever the fuck. Someone else responsible for you. You're you're living underneath the guardianship. They're paying all the bills. You have a job. You you know, your parents let you have their car or use whatever. You have no financial responsibilities. Sure, you should be putting half of your paycheck away, if not, you know, three quarters of it. But when you get older, folks, it's not always that you're not saving money because you're fucking financially irresponsible. It's that you have a house note, a car note, another car note, insurance, phone bill, light bill, water bill. These bills add up. You know, you can't, I mean, I, yeah, it's great to mentally think I can squirrel away 20 bucks every other paycheck or every paycheck every two weeks, but... Yeah, and I guess forty bucks adds up over you know a twelve year period, but <laughs> that that doesn't add up to you know nine, ten, twenty thousand dollars at the end of the year of savings. Yeah, but I feel you, man. I feel you. Don't feel bad about it if you don't have money to save. It's one thing if you have money and then you're just spending it, and that's why you're not saving. But if if you're making X amount of money, but Nine tenths of it's going toward bills. Eh. Yeah, can understand. For me, and I mean this is kind of unfair because I've, I have had time to think of it. <laughs> I I wanted to think about a totally different one. I wanted to pull another one and just completely out of my ass. But my example that I kept thinking about that made me even pose this question at all was. I have a very uncanny immune system. I can, I think in the entire 36 years I've been alive, not counting the times when I was a baby, because I, I don't know, and I'm not asking my parents because I don't care that part about it, but I don't care that much about it. But I think I've been like sick, and I mean sick, sick, like I should call out of work, I cannot move, fuck this world, sick, maybe like five times. And one of those times was actually, I think it was sometime last year. Yeah, I actually had to call out from work. I have, I can't remember the time before that that I had to do that. And luckily, it was a situation where there was a morning shift and a night shift, and I was in the middle. I got to work a mid. So those two days, I was like, hey, I'm sorry, I can't be there. And, you know, they handled it without me. But in any event, it's very, very rare for me to get sick. When I, if I am sick, I need to be barricaded from the world because whatever, whatever the fuck I have is going to kill somebody else. Um, I think there was a time in high school where I got sick and had to stay home and I'm pretty sure I infected half that class. I heard about it after the fact. <laughs> Another time I was sick or at least I w- assumed I was sick because all the symptoms I had were shit that people told me about them being sick. Like, extremely weak, extremely fatigued, uh, running a high fever, uh, very, very tired, very lethargic. And apparently, oh yeah, I was sick. I had a, a fucking infection in my mouth. I had a, um, an abscess tooth. I had an mm-hmm. abscess in my, yeah. So that, you know, that was fucking nine hours away from killing me apparently. Yeah. That's miserable. Exactly. I had so, one, uh, last year as well. Mm-hmm. And that's a fun story. I can elaborate on that when I'm done with this, but so in any in any case, I don't get sick. When I do, it is very fucking rare. And I've been blessed with that because people around me always get sick. And it's 
it's kind of made me like I don't get it. Well, not not now. Now I, I I'm older. I understand. But like when I was in school, I just didn't understand. I thought people were fucking with me. I thought people were just getting out of school. I'm like, I'm not. How do you get sick this often? Well, you know, people get sick. It's just the way it works. Whatever the fuck I did or whatever the hell my parents did to me or for me when I was a kid worked. Even my mom will tell you this day, yeah, he didn't get, he never got sick. He was never a sickly person. And as small and fucking frail as I am, I, I never got sick. That is something that I've been blessed with my whole entire life. I would be willing to trade that. As stupid as that sounds, I would be willing to trade that for the betterment of my weakness. One of my weaknesses in life is taking fucking tests. I am not, <laughs> I am not a fucking test taker. I'm sure we're going to have 50 freaking fans email us and go, bruh. It's fucking easy. Here is a laundry list reason or a laundry list step-by-step process on how to study correctly. Or or you need to not do anything else in life but study. Or, no, here's, an, here's how you should do it. Study here. Take a break. I, I've tried so many. I've been to college, folks. I've been to two, actually three different forms. Of, no, I'm lying. Five. I've taken five <laughs> separate military courses of school. Not a, also including all of high school and grades. I've been to school, folks. I know the tricks to testing, to, to studying. Studying is not the fucking issue for me. I can block the entire world off and, and, and find good study habits. Uh, actually, I found a trick probably about five years ago. I found a music track that I listened to. It's, it's the entire length is probably about two hours long. And it loops when I, well, I make it loop, but it has three separate tracks playing simultaneously at different volumes for, for peak comfort, I guess you would say. One is a slow jazz tune. It's just, just very slow, very light, very easy to listen to, uh, jazz tune. Uh, the nerd in me has to tell you it's actually a, uh, jazz version of a ace attorney uh soundtrack so yeah there's that uh so that's part of it another part is there is the crackling of a fire like a fireplace like when you hear yeah. a fire crackling there's that at a at a, a little bit higher volume but vo- loud enough where you can hear it and then at a medium volume in the background is the sound of rain and a thunderstorm now if I could find this somewhere in my in my computer, and if if I could figure out if it's legal to or not, I would love to upload this like on Facebook and let people use it because for me, it works wonders. I turn everything off else around me off. I get away from people. I remove all distractions, and I put this this track in my head at a at a decent enough volume where I can hear it, but it's not blaring in my ears. It's something about very very low key low tone jazz with fireplace crackling in a in a thunderstorm in the background does it. it 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 just puts me in a fucking study zone i digress studying for me is not the problem i and many other people suffer from this i'm an overthinker a terrible overthinker if you give me a multiple choice question unless there is a what color is the sky orange there is no color blue. 
and f- dog. The, I can under, I, <laughs> duh. I know the correct answer for that one. Orange, right? But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but when you give me question, when you get older in life, and you go to places like college, and the more thought-inducing courses that you take for whatever reason, when you have questions are that are here's the question. Here are five choices. All fucking five of these choices actually make sense. If you and somebody were talking about this scenario, you could put all five of these answers to them, and they would all make fucking sense. But this one, this one is just a little bit more correct. That's Mm -hmm. the kind of shit that fucks me up. And I will sit there and analyze and think and rethink and overthink and write an answer and change an answer and think about it again and change it again. If I could suffer with the rest of my fellow human beings, I say that like I'm some fucking god, but I mean, when you go through, <laughs> when you go through life and you don't get sick, but everybody else around you goes, oh, I'm not sick. I need to take the whole fucking day off of work. You kind of get a complex about it. But if, if I could get sick with my fellow human beings, I would, I would, mu- I've been to the fucking desert twice, folks. I can take a lot of shit. I can deal with a lot of shit. I feel that I can deal with being sick. I can deal with, you know, having to take medicine and feeling either really crummy or utter fucking horrible where I can actually take time off to, to fix myself. I would deal with that if I could fucking walk into any test and just slam my fucking dick down the table and go, boom, grade it. And they go, yeah, a hundred. Yeah, a hundred. I mean, I didn't have to look at it, buddy. You made a hundred. We know you're the, you're the test guy. I would love that. I would love that. You know, Chris, I'm yeah. sure if you ha- um, have you taken any type of like class stuff outside of high school, like after yeah. high school. Yeah, I have an so, uh, associate's degree. So you're well aware of the the obvious issue with with school stuff. You can learn whatever the fuck you want to learn in high school unless you have a highly specific job that you're learning for. When you get to your job, they're going to be like, uh, I mean, that's cool, but we're going to teach you the way we want you to learn anyway. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to teach you this job, period. Like, what did you learn? Oh, you did this, this? Yeah, you're never going to see that shit here. Now, look, look, this is how you fill this form out. No, no, no. Hmm. This is how you follow this procedure. No, no, no. This is what happens at 8 o'clock every night, you know? Yeah, Not- I only I only Good. got my degree, so it would be on my resume. That has nothing yeah. to do with my job. Yeah. Uh, and I know now that's I, I'm not trying to open the college debate here. I'm not mm-hmm. a college basher either. I as well have a college degree and have several credits of college due to all the military courses I've taken. Study work is good. Classwork is good. College is good. But I feel that it has to be more specific to what you're doing. Like yeah. you should never go through college and then leave and go get a job specifically because of that. You should never get into a career field specifically put because of the degree and then get there and they go, yeah, you don't ever going to do that. Like, that's cool that you took like Cal three, but you're, is if you have a standard calculator, that's about the most math you're going to do here. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, uh, Hey, let's talk about abscesses, Chris. Oh, it's going to be good. <laughs> we could share abscess stories. So, so I'm working at a restaurant locally. Okay. And there was a sister restaurant in another county, probably about an hour's drive away. The general manager at my store came in one day and said, hey, 
our sister restaurant is going through some renovation. They're actually ex- expanding their restaurant. They're adding a bigger kitchen, uh, more tables, more. The, the whole entire restaurant is, is physically growing. And they don't have enough bodies presently to satisfy the need. So until they get enough people hired, we're trying to find some people from local restaurants to go give them support for, you know, a week or two. Uh, do we have any volunteers? And I was like, I mean, I'm sure at the time, uh, my girlfriend at the time, she volunteered off the bat. And of course, when she goes, I was going to go and went. That was one, but two, when they said, we're going to put you up in a hotel on our bill and you're going to get paid. I mean, you're going to get, of course, you're going to get paid, but you're going to get fed three times a day because it's a fucking restaurant. Of course, we're going to get fed. I was like, well, fuck, yeah, free room and board and I'm getting fed from the same fucking awesome food of the place I work at three times a day, whether I want it or not. Hell, yeah. Sign me up. Let's go. So day one, I got there. By the way, for the audience, this is back when I was a server. Uh, I don't know if I've mentioned that before, but yeah, I was a server for like a restaurant server for like eight, nine years of my life. Anyway, so I got there and it was fucking pandemonium day one. For one, this place is in another, it was in another uh, city that does a lot of business. Like they did like close to twice, if not more of the business that I was used to. So it was a faster paced deal. Uh, they had recently finished. And so one, there was the, all the managers working on the floor with us, you know, getting to learn the new, the new layout, the new ways of doing things and new policies and all that. And, and again, because they were short staffed, they didn't have, uh, their shifts, all of our shifts were longer. So instead of working like a seven, eight hour, actually, uh, servers, we used to work like five or six hours. So instead of working five or six hours, we were working like eight, nine, 10, 11, if not more. First day I got there, they were like, all right, we need you here at this time, and you're going to stay till close. We're going to close at this time. You know, you'll be home at this time. And it, like I said, it was basically, it was going to be like an 11, some 11 or 12 hour day. I was like, fuck it, whatever. I'm making money. Let's ride. So in this faster paced environment, doing this work, having a decent time, making some pretty good money, because apparently where I was, they tipped fairly well. Did all my work. Everything went fine. I met a whole bunch of new people. Met the new management team. Everything was going. Everything was going fine. Got back to the hotel hotel room that night. Uh, it was three people in a room. Uh, it was another another uh, another server, and it was me and my girlfriend. Me and my girlfriend shared a bed. That guy slept in his own bed. We went to sleep that night. Uh, so me and my girlfriend would sleep in the bed together. I was fine. No problem. I woke up. Probably around, probably around two in the morning, some crazy time like that. And I, I, I woke up to go take a piss, but I felt like shit. Now again, this is coming from the guy that doesn't get sick. I, I know the symptoms of being sick because I've heard everybody piss, bitch, and moan about them. But it was rare for me to experience them. But I knew what I was going through. I was, I was, my head was hot. I was having a fever. I felt kind of weak. I was shaking a little bit. My my throat was kind of sore. And I was like, oh, fuck. I'm fucking come up here to do support and I'm getting sick. But fuck that. I don't get sick. I'll get over it probably in minutes. And I'm just going to go to work the next day. Um, I shook my girlfriend at the time awake. And I was like, hey, I kind of feel kind of bad. She put her hand on my head. She's like, yeah, you're kind of burning up. And I was like, yeah, fuck that. I'll, I'll be all right. She's like, yeah, just rest. You'll probably be all right in the morning. We don't have to be to work till the middle of the day anyway. Mm-hmm. Got up again about two hours later, 
to go take a piss again, and it was worse. Uh, not a shit ton worse yet, but just like I could feel, I was like, no, man, I feel like this isn't even me being tired. This is like my body feels weak. Woke up when it was time to get up. Woke up when my alarm got up and was feeling even worse, but I knew there was a problem when I could not physically move. <laughs> I went, I went to go pick my arms up and I could, I, I could barely lift them. Like they come up off like maybe maybe like two or three inches off the bed and drop back down. And I was like, what the fuck? And I went to go roll out of bed and I like uh, just like swung a shoulder up in the air a couple inches and dropped it. And I was like, am I fucking paralyzed? What the fuck is going on? So she wakes up and she's like, are you OK? And I'm like, I'm fucking slurring my speech. I'm like, I don't fucking I don't fucking she was like, whoa, something is wrong. Um, sat there for a while trying to figure out what I was going to do, talking to her. And she was like, no, 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 I'm going to go up there. I'm going to talk for you. And I'm like, no, fuck that. I don't get sick, number one. Number two, I came over here for support. I came over here for help. I'm not going to do one day of work and then miss out. Because one, they'll think either it was too busy and you couldn't handle it, or they're going to think, well, what the fuck? You're going to fucking work for one day and call out? What bullshit is this? So I'm talking to her, talking her into, because you talk your girlfriend into doing, I was talking her into letting me go to work, <laughs> and she was constantly talking me out of going. Well, finally, I mustered up enough strength to finally get myself out of bed. It took me way longer than humanly fucking needed to get ready. We were late. For, we were late for work. Uh, just putting on clothes. Just moving around the room was fucking it. I don't, it, it felt like I had worked out every muscle in my body to muscle failure and just was fucked up the next day. So we went to work and it just so happened that my GM from my store was up there visiting. He was going over things with them and they were all coordinating on, you know, the new business work, but he was also going up there being a good GM and just checking on us to see how we were doing making sure that they didn't have any complaints about us, making sure we were doing good, and just checking on us personally and see how we were doing. So we walk in the door, and I stop, like, at the fucking, like, the waiting bench. And I'm like, you, you can go on ahead. She's like, I'm going to go see what I can do. I'll see if I can, you know, get them to let me take you somewhere. She goes and talks. The GM comes back, and he's like, uh, buddy, you're not working today. And you, ma'am, you're not working either. You need to take his ass to the hospital. I don't care where you take him, take him. And I'll just, here's my personal cell number. Just call me. Once you get there, I'll sort everything out. And I was like, I'm going to come to work. He's like, no, you're not going to work, buddy. You look like death walking. Have you even looked in the mirror? Because <laughs> apparently I did. Apparently I was fucking pale and like I had the bags. I would look like shit. So here's where the stubborn fuck in me kicked in, Chris. <laughs> so we're leaving. We had our, we had my car. She took my car. We're driving back to Gulfport. Uh, because she was, I was like, look, my, the people, anytime I go somewhere, I have like one doctor in Gulfport. Let's just go home. I should feel a little bit better by then. I was, Number one, I was still being stubborn. Number two, I was like, I'm not going to the hospital. They're going to say that they're going to pay for it, but they're not. And the fucking emergency room is this much or the urgent care is this much. Not doing that. Right. So 
I talked her into just saying, look, let's go to Gulfport. Let's see how I feel. We got to Gulfport. I lied. I felt worse. I, I, I felt like shit, but I was like, nah, I think I'm okay. Look, how about we just go home and I'll just sleep the day off. I'll just sleep it off. So I did, the dumbass that I am. Got up the next day, and I noticed that when I went to go talk, the it felt like the top of my mouth on the inside had caved, had had expanded. It felt like it was swollen. Mm-hmm. And like my my speech was different and everything. Like I, I could put I could pick my tongue up and like feel everything on the inside of the upper part of my mouth. I was like, what the fuck is going on? She was like. You, how about we take you to the dentist? Oh, and I, my, and I was having like a toothache. And I was like, oh, I know what this is. This is a fucking, this is a, a cavity. I'm having a bad reaction to a toothache. So we went to my my personal dentist. Uh, he didn't even bring me back to the room. He was like, what are his symptoms again? And she was like, this, this, this. And he said, this is the oral surgeon. You need to go right the fuck now because I think you have a bigger problem. Went to the oral surgeon and he brought me to the back and looked at things and while I it took me for an x-ray and he was like, you have an abscessed tooth. I was like, I don't know what that is. He goes, well, it's basically when you have a fucking cavity or something on the inside of your mouth. Well, for mine, it was inside my jaw and it just gets infected. Why? How? Who the fuck knows? It just happens. Mm-hmm. And he said, given the exact state that this thing is right now, if you had waited more than, like, I'll say six hours, you would be dead. I was like, what? He goes, yeah, abscesses, when they burst, they go directly into your bloodstream, and that kills you. I was like, oh, so what do we do? He's like, oh, we just cut it out, blah, blah, blah. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I I had some antibiotics after the fact to help the swelling go down more, and blah, 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 blah. Here's, here's the last part of the story, Chris. This is the crazy part. Because I don't get sick, and because another blessing of mine is I've never had like a broken bone. There's so much shit about mm. me that has never happened to me. I've been I've been blessed with pretty much great health. I've never had pain in my life to the point where I needed medicine for pain, other than fucking Advil or whatever, or Motrin, whatever. Right, prescription this, drugs. Exactly. This pain was so fucking bad that they prescribed Lortab, Lortabs for me. Or tab tens. I understand that this is 2018 of this recording, and everybody's like, "Yeah, Laura tabs." You say that like it's a new thing. For me, Chris, it was a new thing. I never had fucking Laura tabs before. The fuck was that? So he prescribed for me Laura tab tens, which I understood then and still understand now. Those are pretty fucking powerful for painkillers. They basically numb your body before <laughs> they specifically numb a piece, yeah, or, or a specific point. I want you to know, Chris, that this pain was so fucking bad for me. It was getting it was getting so bad and, and getting worse. This was way worse than a toothache. Fuck mm-hmm. a toothache. I've had toothaches before. I'll take five toothaches before this pain came comes around again. I read the instructions on how to take the lower tab tens. I said take one and I, f- I forget how many increments. It was like, you know, take another one within an hour if the pain hasn't subsided, whatever, whatever. Right. I took one, no fucking difference. Nothing. That was nothing. That was a two, that was basically down the fucking drain. About an hour later, I took another one. Another Laura Tab 10, Chris. Another entire fucking Laura Tab 10 pain pill. Still nothing. An hour later, I took a third. A third Laura Tab 10. 
long story short, over a I think it was like a like a seven eight hour time span, I took five of these things five before I actually felt a fucking difference. I have never felt so fucking loopy and drunk in my life, <laughs> but I remember being drunk in the past and being in pain at the same time. And I remember being drunk and going, I don't feel pain. No, I was loopy and fucking dumb delusional, but I had this aching fucking throb in my face. So I went to work days after the fact, and I was telling this horror story. Yeah, I had an abscess. That's what it all. Everybody was worried about me, wondering what's up, because I've never called out of work, blah, blah, blah. And I'm telling people, and blah, 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 blah. And I get to the part about the lower tab tens. And people are like, oh, you got, you got some, you got some tabs? I'm like, yeah, I have lower tab tens for my pain. Like, How much are you selling for? <laughs> I'm not going to sell fucking shit, you dip. I'm taking them for pain. And it was like, it was like, it was like an eye opener for my coworkers. I had never realized that apparently I worked around a bunch of fucking drug addicts. Because <laughs> everybody came up to me that night. Hey man, I heard you got some tabs. I, I have tabs for pain. I, I am in, I'm still in pain. I'm getting this pain off of my, out of my body. I'm not yep. selling you fucking drugs. That's so. the, uh, that's, I, I'm trying to think of what to call it. It's like the, uh, the higher class level of drugs. It's like the people that don't want people to know they're doing these kind of yeah. things. They yeah, do those. Yeah. yeah. People you never suspect they don't look like it. You know, mm-hmm. they may not even act like it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I see it more and more even to this day. I just, I hear people just taking these prescription drugs like they need them. Like, like how me and you would drink coffee in the morning. They take these. Like they need <laughs> these to function. I'm like, Wow, I'm no. sorry, <laughs> but that's my that's my abscess story. What about yours, Chris? So mine's not nearly as dramatic, uh, but I went it, on a Thursday, went to work, and I wasn't feeling great. But I get sick around once a year, so that's you know I have one actual like bad sickness a year. So I'm like, all right, at least it's on a Thursday. I'll go to work today and tomorrow. And then Monday, I'll be fine. Yeah. So I uh, I'm, I was at work Thursday. Wasn't feeling great. Worked all day. Went home. Then, you know, aside from feeling like crap, I was, didn't really think about it. But then Friday I woke up. I was like, man, I really don't feel good. And I went to work. And at some point during the day, I was like, all right, this is this is getting too much. Um I need to, you know, take some ibuprofen to help with this pain and whatnot. Um, but I want to do it. Um, I'd rather be home, you know, before I drug myself. Right. Because I, I have a fairly high tolerance to pain medication. Mm-hmm. Um, like the local injections they'll give for like when they're working on teeth mm-hmm. or when they're doing something like I've had uh, toenails partially removed before. Mm-hmm. Doesn't work on me. Yeah. Um, funny enough, when I, and I'll get to it, but, uh, so I go home, got the day early, not super early, but maybe three quarters of a day. It's a Friday. Nobody cares anyway. Um, so I come home and at some point I realized that I have a knot on my cheek. Mm. I'm like, huh, that's odd. And, 
was like, hmm, did I, uh, I don't recall, you know, running into anything. My girlfriend hasn't been beating me. Uh, I don't know where that came from. So. Noted that you thought that. Um, no, I'm kidding. She's lovely. Uh, but she's also asleep and has no idea. I just said that. Anyway. Um, so I, I don't really think much of it. Um, you know, thinking just maybe it's from being tired, you know, my cheek's kind of puffy, whatever. Saturday morning, I wake up feeling like death. And this knot on my cheek has gotten harder and is sticking out further. Um, so I'm finally like, all right, this is too much pain. Um, this is not normal. I'm feeling around my cheek and I'm like, this is kind of, it feels like it might be connected to my gum line. You know, it's like right there, right above, like if I stuck my finger under my lip and poked up, I could feel the bottom part of the knot. Mm. So I'm like, hmm, maybe this is something, you know, dental related. So I go online, I do my Googling because that's a thing I do. You know, I search and look up things before I uh, actually do anything about it. And I wasn't in that state like you were where I was mumbling or, you know, not thinking clearly or anything like that or having any issues. You know, I just sat down on my computer, typed away, looked it up. I was like, huh, I think I have an abscess. And I was reading about, you know, oh, this is a big deal, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't, I don't feel like I'm to that point. And I definitely wasn't, you know, compared to where you were. Mm-hmm. Um, this must have been early on in what I think caused it, and you were talking about how you didn't mention anything about yours, but I think I actually had something that cut my gum to the point, because I remember eating something and it stabbed me really hard in the gum. Mm. And I think that cut, you know, triggered the whole thing. But anyway, so, like, all right, I guess I'll, you know, go to the dentist. And So I'm looking for a dentist office that's open on a Saturday. Like, all right, so. Good luck. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, you know, I'm going through looking, and there there are a couple that are like, oh, you know, patients can call, or existing patients can call and come in um, for emergencies, you know, on the weekend. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not an existing patient. So I'm like, all right. So I finally find one, and that says they're open on the weekend, both days, Saturday and Sunday for people, you know, with emergencies. Mm -hmm. And based on what I was reading, I was like, okay, abscess sounds like an emergency. So I call, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I think I have an abscess. I'd like to come in and, you know, have it checked out and whatnot. Um, And she's like, are you you an existing patient? I'm like, no. Um, And she's like, well, we're, you know, not open a day, um, and something, I don't remember the exact BS they gave me, but mm-hmm. basically I couldn't go in. So like, okay, so here I am, you know, with this self-diagnosed abscess mm-hmm. going, well, this is a big deal. I should get to a dentist, but I could not find a place to go to. So well, I'm like, all right. I, I guess I'm going to die. Yeah. So <laughs> I was like, it, it's not really bad, bad. I mean, it's. Uh, like I said, I woke up feeling like death, but as I, you know, got moving around, it started feeling a little bit better. I took some ibuprofen, and I don't know um, 
when you take ibuprofen, what kind of dose did you take? But I take 800 milligrams at once. Mm-hmm. The You're supposed to take like 400. I take double that. Yeah. Um, but at one point when I was, uh, real quick, side tangent, when I was at the range once uh, doing my recall, I had a toothache, and it was a fill, filling that had gotten loose, so it's jabbing, you know, the inside of the tooth and all the nerves. Mm-hmm. Um, the doc gave me uh, 1,600 milligrams of Motrin. So I was like, 800 of ibuprofen is probably fine. If, you know, a doc's giving me 1,600, that's, I think that's okay. So, yeah, I take 800. Mm-hmm. So I take an ibuprofen, and the abscess was hurting. Um, it was difficult to eat anything. But I was like, all right, I'll deal with it. And I sent an email off to my uh, boss at work going, hey, I need to take Monday to go to the dentist because I can't find anyone open this weekend. And he was like, no. He's like, all right. So Monday morning I go as soon as the uh, place opens. Go in and they're like, yeah, you have an abscess. He's like, uh, and I had read, you know, we're like, Oh, you'll go in, they'll drain it, and then this and this, and he x-rays like, yeah, you have an abscess, uh, um, and uh, for me, at that point, I needed to have the uh, tooth removed, so mm-hmm. he's like, all right, um, I'll sk- uh, this is the information for the oral surgeon who will take care of you, um, I'm like, okay. And I'm just waiting for him to go, okay, and we're going to go ahead and lance it and drain it and all this stuff. And no, I'm like, are, am I going to get anything? You know, he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm uh, I'm giving you some antibiotics and some uh, pain medication. He said the name of I can't even think what it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was absolute garbage. Um, Advil, 150 milligrams. <laughs> no, this was, I'm trying to think of what drug it's related to that had a bigger name. But basically, it, first off, didn't work. Um, a lot like you where you just, I did, and I didn't keep taking it. What mm-hmm. I did was I waited for the window you're allowed to take it in or supposed to take it in, you know, one every four hours. Yeah. And as soon as that four hours is over, I took ibuprofen, a ton of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that worked better. But the reason, and I only took the other one, I think, one other time. When it was really bad and the ibuprofen hadn't helped, I was like, all right, I'll try it, see if it helps again. Um, I might have taken two. It might have allowed for that. But the biggest issue I had with them, why I didn't take it anymore, was it made me feel like I had a hangover. Oh, wow. After it wore off. Mm -hmm. And it was not a good feeling. Because I'm... I don't really have a hangover issue, mm-hmm. but this was a really severe hangover. I could barely function in the morning. The cotton mouth was ridiculous. I was like, all right, this is this is not working. But I, uh, the antibiotics did, took care of it for me. And that, you know, cleared out and I had the tooth removed. And the stuff that guy gave me, that was good stuff. <laughs> And, and you lived to fight another day, thank God. Yeah, and when uh, when I went in to have it removed, they're like, yeah, you know, um, would you like to be uh, knocked out for it? I was like, 
Yes, I would. Yes. Um, because the local injections, I will feel everything you're doing as you're removing this tooth. Otherwise, so knock me out. Mm-hmm. They're like, it'll cost this much more. I'm like, got it. Do it. Because <laughs> it is absolutely miserable feeling every single thing they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It was interesting, though, because they actually gave me a little IV type thing to knock me out instead mm-hmm. of uh, gas, which I hadn't yeah. really thought of or seen before that. Same for me. Mine was, when I had one of those, that was fairly fucking scary because this is where common sense apparently didn't reign in my life. <laughs> I had been put under before. Uh-huh. I had been knocked out before, a uh, long time before this, probably when I was like in the second grade, so like seven-ish, eight. And that was with the gas. That was the thing where I was a kid, they lay on the bed, and then, uh-huh. and then, they, and then they kill you. Yeah. Uh, I was on the bed, and they, they gave they put the mask on my face, and they go, all right, I want you to count down from 10 to 1. You know, We've got a kid that made it to 3. We'll see how far you can get. And I'm like, <laughs> I got this. All right, breathe in. Go. 10 nit. <laughs> yeah, that was me. I yeah, me lit- too. I literally remember, remember doing it. I remember going 10 and then saying, and the fucking world spun out of existence. Uh, so I went in for this thing to have this shit. This is the medical podcast, everybody. Look, if you're mm-hmm. not interested, I don't know what the fuck to tell you. What, what did you come in for video games? <laughs> really? No, I'm just kidding. We'll get to the games, guys. Don't worry, game guys. Uh, so I'm in, I'm in, I'm in this room. They sent me down. They hooked me up with IVs and I'm thinking this must be typical standard, uh, procedure for this tooth removal. This is how they do it. Okay, cool. They're giving me IVs. In case something, something goes wrong. Exactly. Yeah. They're hooking things up. The nurse is hooking things up, talking to me, asking me questions, yada, yada, yada. And she, I remember, so if you can picture this, this white room, because every fucking medical room is white, right? Hmm. This white room, I'm in this chair, and in front of me is a window to the outside. It's a big window, like the kind of big that spans almost the entire wall. And I'm looking out, I'm seeing, uh, it's facing traffic. So I'm, uh, there's trees, there's a little yard of this area, and there's traffic going by. The nurse is like filling out some paperwork. She's like, all right, well, we'll bring the doctor in just a minute to check on you, blah, 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 and, I, and he'll, we'll be right in. And I'm like, all right, and I'm, I've got all these, these needles in me and shit. I'm watching traffic go by, looking at the outside. That's, that's all it is to it. I blink. I blinked. And when I woke up, a guy was walking right, he was leaving the same way the nurse was leaving. And he was talking and something, and I was like, what the, and it jarred me. I was like, what the fuck? I see this dude go by. And then the nurse comes back in, and she's like, all right, you're, all right, you're awake, you're doing good. And I'm like, the fuck? Yeah, of course I'm awake. <laughs> And she's like, everything went good. And the way, I can't remember the exact what she's saying, but she's making it sound like we're done. And mm-hmm. I'm like, what's, what's going on? And then the doctor comes in and he's, and he's got the fucking tooth in his hand. And he's like, and I'm like, oh, what the fuck? And he, he's <laughs> like, yeah, you, wait, do you not realize we're done? And I'm like, you didn't start, you fucking psycho weirdo. Why are you bringing a tooth in here? And he's like, yeah, we knocked you out. I'm like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. Where's the fucking thing? And, and th- th- that's when I had explained to me 
the fucking naive dumbass that I was, it was in an IV form. So yeah. while I was watching the fucking cars go by, I was knocked out. I was like, oh, look at that fucking Camaro done. <laughs> and they did the procedure, which apparently I was out for like 45 fucking minutes. I just, I lost that 45 minutes of my life <laughs> and woke up to, oh, you're done. So that was another part of the experience. It just fucking blew my mind. Yeah. I, uh, the only other interesting thing of note about mine was they actually put the IV in the back of my hand. I thought you were about to say they put it in the back of your head. That would be so fucking cool. <laughs> like you're being jacked into the Matrix. All right, all right, all right, Chris. Just uh, you're going to feel a pinch, and then suddenly you learn Kung Fu. <laughs> yeah, not that cool. But it's the first time I've ever had an issue with them finding the veins in my arms. Mm. Uh, all, you know, throughout my life, my military career, needles every time in the arm. But yeah. this, they're like, no, we uh, can't find it, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Okay, what are you going to do? And they're just checking around my arm, looking for the, you know, any vein they could see. And eventually the uh, the uh, oral surgeon, he was like, do the back of the hand. She kind of looked at him and said, so, yeah, yeah, do the back of the hand. That's Because uh, she was looking at the other side. He's like, I don't like this. Do yeah. the back of the hand. I'm like, okay. So they did that. And, yep, I was out very quick. <laughs> they. And the nurse looks at the oral surgeon. What should I do? And he goes, bend him over. <laughs> and you're like, no. Uh, another tangent story. I swear we're going to get to video games, Chris. I swear we are. Real, real quick story. I had to draw blood one time for an HIV test. Mm-hmm. If, in no, if people that aren't familiar with the military don't know, then you're about to learn. We get HIV tested every year. It's mandatory. Yeah. Mandatory for everybody every year. So uh, went to go get went to go get blood drawn one time for HIV. This is another thing about me in my life. I've given blood like 40 times, 40, 50. I give blood all the time. I don't give a fuck. I've had fun. I will tell a story about giving blood in the future. I'm not going to do it today. <laughs> but I got, come on, Chris. I got stories for days. Yep. But I went to go give blood for this HIV test, and this motherfucker hit a tendon in my arm. If you've never had a tendon hit before, that shit sucks. It it felt like electricity went f- the place where he went all the way down to my fingers. And I jerked mm-hmm. with a needle in my arm. I was like, oh, what the fuck? And he was like, oh, I'm sorry about that. I'm like, what the f-? I didn't know <laughs> because I've never had that happen before. I was like, what the fuck did you just do? He's like, oh, I think I hit a tendon. I was like, oh, I think I hit a tendon. <laughs> and I punched him in his face. And I got up and ripped the needle out. And I picked the chair up and I proceeded to beat him to death with one arm because the other one was still hurting. And I was a fucking pansy. But no, that hurt. And to that, to this day, I think I've had like five tests since that guy. I'm like, yeah, yeah, everything's going good. Good day. Don't hit my fucking tendon, please. <laughs> and they're always like lower, right? They're always airmen or something. They're like, sorry, I won't hit, I won't hit your vein. I won't hit your <laughs> Chris, do we have any well actuallys about last week's episode at all? I think uh, no. You're welcome, audience. No, that was uh, an amazing episode. Yeah, it really was. Uh, I'm. This is totally behind the curtains, but this episode has been the most popular episode of our podcast to date. Now we're. I'm saying that today, as of this recording, fucking the beginning of February of 2018. But yeah, what whatever we did good in episode 27, 28, right, Chris, 27, 20. God, 
Whatever we did right in episode 28, which was our last episode, which was the top 10 in 64 games, whew, I'm glad y'all like it. There will be more top 10 lists coming in the future, guys, I guarantee you. Uh, we have other lists planned. We have other episode ideas planned. We were just hashing some more topics out and discussing things today, so good things are coming. Thank you for everyone who has listened to the episode and will listen to it. We appreciate it. I will say... Maybe me and you, maybe we should start plugging subscription more because we had again behind the curtains currently we had sixty five people listen to that episode, but the podcast itself only has twenty four subscribers, which or followers I guess you'd say, uh, guys and gals. If you liked any of our episodes, you really should follow that SoundCloud page because that's how you get updates for our new ones. If you're getting updates through Facebook, that's cool too. Uh, or Twitter. I don't know if people subscribe. I guess they do. I guess you follow, follow. Or whatever. Yeah. But, and again, just so we're clear, if you follow our SoundCloud page, that does not pay us money. Nothing of what we are doing right now, currently, is making money off of anything. Okay, so we're not begging you to like our Facebook page because that generates revenue. No, we want you to follow our SoundCloud page because that's how you get updates as soon as as soon as I upload the episode that's when you get it and you get acknowledgement. So in any event, Chris, please yeah. for the love of god before somebody does unsubscribe to us, uh let's talk about video games. What was your week? Tell me all about so, it. So, since we're going to talk about video games on our week, I'm going to start off with uh D&D. Oh shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, not a video game, but still a game and still fun. Um we had a unexpected session we were able to play last weekend. So mm-hmm. I was scrambling on Friday to put together the maps for what I, I had already worked out roughly what was going to happen and where and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I actually had, had to draw out the maps and get all the you know tokens and stuff ready for uh, the actual session. So that mm-hmm. was fun. Um, it was a another amusing session when it comes to our you know little. Uh, rogue in the party who likes to face tank um, <laughs> and then fall to the ground. I'm trying to think. I, I I don't think he actually fell to the ground this time, but it was close. Mm-hmm. Um, or you know he I actually know he did fall again, um, but he we got him immediately back up. Um, I think the situation was mostly resolved or something like that at the time. So it was just him being stubborn, me like, oh hey. You know, they're almost dead. I'm going to run in. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, that was a rough session. I, uh, I, I'm, every time we do this, I learn more and more about, you know, running the game and stuff. And I've realized that I might have been calculating the encounters incorrectly. Mm-hmm. So the difficulty level they were supposed to be was maybe a smidge too high. <laughs> and by yeah. a smidge, I mean a fair bit. Um, so to but, get topical, you were playing the Final Fantasy One. I, I want to say the Lich Cave, where there was a place where you fought ogres every step that you took. Were you do? Were you that bad? Uh, similar. Let's just say they were down in a crypt. There were five rooms, and all five had monsters. Oh God, Chris. Um, it so. 
only a couple of them should have been toned down in numbers. But it was, it was one of those things where they also did them out of order from what I planned. So instead of going one, two, three, four, five, and five being, you know, the last one that progresses the story, mm-hmm. they did, oh, um, four, five, three, two, one type thing. Mm. So it's like, all right, you should really, and I tried to have, you know, the NPCI control that's part of the party say, you know, I want to take a rest. And the the response from the party was, yeah, you can go, go back to the inn and hang out if you want. We'll finish up here. I'm like, uh, it's not a good idea because <laughs> the, the character I play is the tank. Uh-huh. So if he's almost dead and wanting to take a rest, you should probably heed that warning, mm-hmm. um, especially when it's the GM playing it um, <laughs> or the DM. Yeah. Uh, so it was interesting and they made it through, but everybody was down in like single digit hit points left out of spells and it would have been, it was to the point where two of the characters didn't go down at the very, in the last room because of misses on the enemy's part. Mm-hmm. If the enemies had hit, they would have been knocked down. They probably still could have finished the encounter and been picked up, but it would have been very rough. Yeah, um, yeah so it was interesting, and I've, I'm now to the point where I'm getting into having a over, uh, arcing story related to it's not just oh go kill these goblins come back oh go kill this whatever it's like okay there's a problem that problem has something behind it and that something behind it has something higher behind it mm-hmm. so it's you know a ongoing story arc um, mm-hmm. that has started now so I'm having a lot of fun I've been working on encounters and developing maps for that um, you know establishing evil layers and whatnot as you do yeah so it, I'm still having a lot of fun with it. Um, I'm still watching a lot of D&D. I actually finished Achievement Hunter's uh, D&D show, mm-hmm. um, Heroes and Halfwits. Um, I'm, I started a day looking for another one to watch. So we'll see what I end up at. Um, also, real quick, I want to yeah. help our audience out by making sure we got the facts straight. Mm-hmm. When I was What I was talking about in, was in Final Fantasy 1 in the Earth the cavern of the earth there is a section of that map it's commonly referred to as the giant's tunnel or the giant's cave area whatever and it's a section that every step you take if not every other step it's a random battle like every single step you have to go all if you start going into here you're going to have to either work your way around but to get out but yeah it's it's mm-hmm. it's made to where every step you take you're fighting these for the level you go in pretty pretty intensely powerful things every single step you take it's actually a pretty good way to get some experience it's also a good way to get yourself fucked yeah anyway yeah and another part of that that didn't help was the uh they were fighting undead and one of them had a strength sapping attack and the tank my character failed both saving throws so he got debuffed in his strength twice Oh my god. So his to hit went from like a plus five to plus two or plus one or something like that. Jesus. So he was missing everything. I actually put him in the back lines with his bow to at least contribute somewhat. He hit one out of, I want to say, seven or eight shots with his bow. Wow. It was horrible. 
Wow. Um, yeah. So, anyway. So, yeah. Enjoying D&D still. Lots of fun. Um, Good stuff. Yeah. The, really, the map-making part is what takes the longest. Trying mm-hmm. to design all these layouts and rooms and stuff, at least for indoor locations and whatnot. But moving on to an actual game. So, we started playing a mobile uh, Wheel of Fortune game. Okay. And I don't know why she started playing it, but once she started playing it, I saw that. And, you know, after helping her with some puzzles, I was like, all right, I'm going to download it and play it myself, too. And, yeah, it turns out I'm pretty good at Wheel of Fortune. Um, (laughs) Unless it's one of those stupidly absurd uh, puzzles. Like, there was one that was the name of a person. It was a foreign name I had never heard before. I just, there's no way I was ever going to get that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, I'm pretty good at guessing um, puzzles. So, and there's a head-to-head you can do on the game, too, now that I'm high enough level. Um, and our record is 6-3, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way it works is each person solves the puzzle, and whoever gets more cash solving it, you know, wins. Um, so I think I'm at 6-3 or 7-3. I think 7-3 because I won one this morning. Nice. Um, so after, you know, playing the mobile game, I went on the Microsoft Store because I've seen Achievement Hunter play it. There's a Wheel of Fortune game on there. So I downloaded that, or bought that mm-hmm. and downloaded it. Mm-hmm. And we played four games, three in the normal mode and one in a quick mode, which the normal mode is the standard Wheel of Fortune format. You play like three puzzles and then the last one is, you know, the one spin for the cash and then whoever has the most after those three goes on to the bonus round. Okay. Um, the, the express is one puzzle and then the bonus round or it's one puzzle then the one spin or something. It's like two puzzles shorter overall. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I... I won all three of our main games, and I would have won the Express one, but I actually basically forfeit my turn because I wanted to see something mechanically related to the game. So basically, I went four for four. Um, so we haven't played it since. Um, <laughs> it, I, I've come to realize quickly that Wheel of Fortune is something we should play together and not yeah. opposing. Um, um, it's much better for our relationship. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So hey, man, we we all go through that. We all have times <laughs> where you know, you know, and it, not even just just relationships. It's friendships. You know, like yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm tired of getting my fucking ass kicked. How about we just team up? You know, how about that? Yeah. <laughs> yep. And that's me in like every FPS ever. Oh um, wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm decent now, I think, but when I was younger, it was horrendous. I'd play, you know, against my friends, and, you know, we'd have a nice competitive match. I'm like, how about some team games? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm yeah. not just I'm getting murdered day. left and right. I'm all down for co-op. All yeah. down for fucking co-op first-person shooters. Let's go. So the other game I played a little bit of this week is uh, Pokemon Ultra Sun. I actually need a wow. So I I played uh and beat Pokemon Moon. I was doing the whole you know completion thing, working on updating the Pokedex, having one of every Pokemon in the game. Um, 
which I made, I think, like 75% progress on before I got bored with it and moved on. Because, mm-hmm. um, again, it's a DS game, and I don't have a DS I can stream. So I was like, well, I want to play games and stream them. So yeah. that's another long-term thing I have to keep looking into and make a decision on one of those you know, streamable DSs, which yeah. they're not all that reliable. Mm-hmm. And... It's not one of those situations where like, oh, yeah, I'm going to make the money back from my stream, so it doesn't matter. I'll just buy another one, you know, if it breaks. Um, So I'm probably going to hold off on that for a while uh, still. But so I had played Pokemon Moon, and for those that don't know, they have pretty much always released two versions of a Pokemon game, Uh, starting with red and blue, and then they threw in yellow. Um, And then up from there, you know, there's... Uh, fire red, leaf green, whatever they are, I don't even know. Because I, I So I went from Generation 1 Pokemon to Generation 6 Pokemon uh-huh. and didn't play any of them between. Um, am, am, I just, am I talking crazy? Was there ever a green cartridge? Yeah, that was probably leaf green. So was it, was it red, blue, and green? No, that was actually... I believe Leaf Green was Leaf Green was Gen Two. Ah, uh, okay. Let me. Um, but yeah, so I started playing, and I like I said, I played through Moon, and Sun is the other half of it. And really, the differences between them are, there are Pokemon you can't get in each, so you have to you know know someone with the other or whatever. So I usually try to make sure that between the kids and myself. We have both versions covered. I'm not just going to buy three copies of one game. We at least have, you know, one copy of each. Right, um, right. And even in this case, I played Moon and Ultra Sun. You know, there's no need to play Ultra Moon because there'd be, you know, even less out of a Ultra version of it, which I'll get into in a minute. But the other difference is that in these, and I don't, I don't know how far back these go, but... I think it might be three or four generations at this point, but there are two teams you're opposed, you know, two bad teams. Mm-hmm. Um, like you have Team Rocket in the earlier games, and that's it in both versions. This one, um, it's like Team Aqua and Team something else. So I had Team Aqua in Moon, and now that I'm playing Sun, I'm gonna or Ultra Sun, I'm gonna have the other Team Rocket type group. Um, don't know how that'll, uh, impact the game, but this one seems that they actually added a lot more to it. There's something to do with some of the legendary Pokemon. You have this other completely added on place you can go and do things and they've added stuff to the story. Uh, don't know quite yet if it's worth it. And I'm really, I was really hesitant to get it. Um, because, like I said, played Moon. How much more is there really to do in Sun, or in Ultra Sun or Moon? So I, I ended up getting it, and we'll see what my final verdict is on you know whether or not I think it's worth it or not. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. This is the first time I've done this. Yeah. I didn't do it for X and Y, um, which I don't even know what their uh, Ultra equivalent was. Might have just been Ultra X after Y, I don't know. Didn't really care about that one, um, but this one I went ahead and did. So, but that's a game I'm kind of very 
slowly working on. That's one of those I'm in bed and whether it's at night or in the morning and I'm like, I don't have any phone games to play, which is very rare because I have so <laughs> many different games I can load up. I usually end up not playing phone games because I just don't feel like opening up the ones I have left. I'm like, all right, I've spent 45 minutes on phone games. I'm not gonna, I have like six more I could go through. I'm not touching them. Well, uh, plus who the fuck needs phone games? You have a Switch. Yeah, mine's been in the dock. Hasn't had anything going on with it, but that's it's one of those things where I need to go back and finish uh, uh, Mario Plus Rabbits, uh-huh. and then collect more moons on uh, Odyssey. Mm-hmm. But I just I've been so caught up with my PS4 since moving, and you know the backlog games I have for it um, that I haven't gotten back to it yet. Backlog, the fucking story of our life, man. Yeah. So uh, so yeah. But it's, you know, I, I spent like 10 minutes the uh, day after I bought it, and I spent, I think, another 30 minutes. You know, I'm actually, I might have a hour total in the game. Mm-hmm. So I've done almost nothing. <laughs> um, but the game I've been pushing through, and not in a bad way, this past week, is once again Horizon Zero Dawn. I was going to say, I thought you were going to tell us that you did say last episode you're going to have a strong update for this one. Yeah, so, I and I had also said that, you know, I want to finish this. Right. So that I can move on and try more of uh, Monster Hunter World and then move on to other games, you know, pick up World of Final Fantasy or something again yeah. and start working through these. Maybe eventually get back to the Switch games. So I have officially beat... Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, I got 100% in game. Oh wow! And then it, it's it's not as difficult as it sounds. the The mm-hmm. hardest part are these hunting trial things you can do. Mm-hmm. Those were a pain. Um, and as I'm about to beat the game, I'm like, didn't I buy the DLC? I don't oh, think anything shit. I've done had anything to do with the DLC. So I pull up a uh, as the Ending credits are rolling. I'm letting them play through. I go online and look at the uh, Sony, uh, or the PlayStation Store, rather. And mm-hmm. I go to the, the DLC, and I'm like, oh, it says, you know, install. I'm like, okay, so I clicked install. It sent it to my PS4, and over the credits pops up, you know, Frozen Wilds is now downloading. I'm like, okay. So I had it. I just didn't download it, so I didn't actually do any part of that in the game. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, that sucks. But I also went and looked at the uh, list of trophies to see what I was missing. And I'm only missing two out of the base game, which are one for knocking over these stupid training dummies, which apparently I missed a bunch of because I didn't know it was an achievement um, or trophy, and the platinum for getting all of them. So really I'm only missing one. Like, okay. And then down below that I see, oh, title update trophies. I'm like, huh? I looked, there are two for that. It's... Uh, beat a new game plus and beat new game plus on ultra hard um, which is obviously the hardest difficulty level if it doesn't sound you know that it is already Um, so I went through and because the DLC was still downloading I was like I'll just start you know the ultra hard playthrough that took me I believe I clocked it at like 7 hours and the base game, by the way, took me 55 hours to beat in 100%. Get level 50, um, all but that one trophy. It took me 55 hours. 
So playing through on Ultra Hard on the New Game Plus, I did that in seven hours. Wow. And that was doing purely story. Mm-hmm. And I did, I think, three side quests, one of which was completely worthless. Because mm-hmm. in the description of New Game Plus, it's like, yeah, you can unlock what they called adept versions of armor in the game and armor and weapons. So you get, you know, stronger versions. Mm-hmm. I didn't bother with any of the weapons, but I did do the side quest to get you the ultimate armor in the game. Um, because like, oh, hey, I'll get an upgraded version. You know, it'll be even better. Nope, doesn't exist. It just, it gives you literally nothing if you already have it. Wow. I was like, okay, nice to know. Thanks for even giving me the option to do the quest when I already had the thing, but sure, great. Um, so that was a little frustrating, but fortunately it only really cost me 15 minutes or so. Um, and the other two side quests, I don't know if they made a difference, but I did them just in case. They give you some little help later on from NPCs. Mm-hmm. And being on Ultra Hard. So the biggest thing about Ultra Hard is that they hide the health bars. Mm. So it becomes one of those games where, oh, let me physically look at the enemy and determine how you know damaged they are. Mm-hmm. And some of that works, um, but it's not... It's not something I had to worry about when I had the bar, so I don't really have the comparison. It's like, okay, he's limping, but is that a three-quarters health limp? Is that just because I knocked off this one piece or injured its leg, you know, because it has the localized damage or specific damage points? I just dropped my notebook. Notebook. Um, Destroyed. Yeah, don't want that. Um, Odd flip of the page. That's weird. Anyway, so they hide the health bar. And obviously, being on ultra hard, they have more health. Um, They have higher defense too. So my shots were doing lower damage. Uh, It was it was rough, and I'm glad I had the ultimate armor because that would have taken me so much longer if I didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, And even with it, near the end of the game, it got ridiculous. Um, I actually started dying over and over to bosses. Mm. Um, So it was very. Interesting. Uh, it was a very interesting experience. And so I stopped playing that night because I played till like 1130 that night and then woke up the next morning, went to play and the DLC had downloaded. And when I load up the game, it's like, oh, the level cap is 60 from the DLC. I'm like, great. Wish I knew that. Uh, because here I am capped at 50. All my experience is going to nothing. Right. On hard mode. Um, but fortunately, I had enough skill points where I was able to completely unlock the DLC skill tree that it adds, which I also didn't know it added skills. Um, one of which was more inventory space, which is something that's desperately needed and it's something I struggled for like half the time through the normal mode. Mm-hmm. So it was only 20 more slots, but going from 120 is still better than nothing. Right. But it was still frustrating. Um, and I'm actually... I'm working on the DLC uh, content now. I have beaten the story aspect of it, and I'm sitting at around 13 hours on the DLC so far. Um, I I have to say, this is probably one of the best DLCs I've seen for a game in a while. Wow. Um, really? Yeah. It's. I mean, I know I know I sound shocked, but that's a big statement. There, there's a lot of good DLC for different games. I mean, the last real good DLC I can think of was the uh, 
in Destiny 1, when they did the uh, the one before Wrath of the Machine, um, the, 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 the Iron, no, it was the Taken King. Taken King, yes. Yeah, Taken King DLC for Destiny 1 was awesome. It added these great uh, cutscenes, gave the characters more, you know, personality. It did all this great stuff to completely uh, change the way people looked at the story of Destiny 1. Because mm-hmm. when people go, story of Destiny 1, they go, what story? But that was really the turning point to that. Right. Um, and the DLC for Horizon Zero Dawn, which is called uh, The Frozen something. The Frozen Throne. The Frozen Wilds. Damn. Um, yeah, the story part of it is well done. It's a very emotional DLC, which is interesting. Really? Yeah, the main part of this, the, the main game story had some emotion into it, mm-hmm. or to it, but it wasn't, um, I, I don't know if relatable is the word to use, but it wasn't as, it didn't draw you in as much. Right. It was there, but it's like, okay, yeah, she's feeling sad. The DLC, it's like, wow, I feel sad because you know what's happening. So it had that different level of drawing you into it and getting you interested and involved and uh, invested. That's the word I was looking for, invested into what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not even just the main DLC story. Also, the DLC side quests are like that. So it was very interesting the route they went with that hmm. because <laughs> and not all of them are sad. There's also really, there's now probably, well, he is my favorite NPC in the game. And he was in the DLC. Uh, He's hilarious. And he's this, uh, he's this somewhat older guy. And his story isn't all happy, but his personality overall, he's a very upbeat guy, you know, makes jokes, laughs at his own jokes, even when they're not funny um, type thing. And he's a very interesting character, and you interact with him, and he's like, he, he screws something up, and you're there to help him fix it. And he's like, yeah, this happened, this happened. And she's like, so you broke. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You so could say that. How does he stack up against the other characters that are already in the game? Like I said, he's my favorite NPC. Well, um, I said then. <laughs> I, 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 I like his personality. Um, his dialogue's really good. Um, and they, they give him, like I said, his story isn't completely happy. They give him just enough of that sad emotional stuff for him to have that, you know, little bit more depth to his personality and why he's there and what he's doing. Um, but not enough to just go, okay, this is another sob story. Mm-hmm. He's like, and his tone, the way he's talking, he starts upbeat and he starts talking about, you know, what he's there for. And he kind of trails off as he explains. I think it's right back to being upbeat. He's like, anyway, we're here for something else. Um, <laughs> you know, trying to keep the, the 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 mood from getting too grim and stuff. So he's a very well done NPC. And like I said, he's my favorite of the game. Um, I did, like I said, I finished the, the story in the DLC, which is pretty good. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it, it added on and expanded to a question I still had from beating the main game. Oh, okay. Um, okay. I was like, hmm. And it's not something related to the main story, but one of the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, the DLC doesn't revolve around him, but he's mentioned enough that you go, oh, okay, that explains a lot. Um, nice. And going back to the main game, after the credits, there's a scene that obviously you know ties in for a sequel. Mm-hmm. But I'm not a fan. Um, it's a, there's, it's a, you know, twist, but it's not one, I don't know, it seems odd. Um, I, I can't really say more than that without spoiling it, but it's a very odd twist that I don't, that I'm not a fan of. Um, yeah, so it's, I'm curious to see what they're going to do with that twist. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know anything about what kind of sequels planned for this, um, but eh, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Um, because it the there the plot hole that the sequel is obviously going to aim to fill was there without the twist. It could still be explored without the twist. So it's kind of like, is that really necessary? You're causing more uh, conflict. Does there really need to be any more? You've got this objective, this, you know, quote-unquote bad guy, who knows if it's a person or a thing or whatever, just Mm -hmm. using a generic term. You have this opposition. Do you really need more? Uh, I don't know. So that was the only part of the overall story that I just flat out didn't like. Uh, Parts of it were slow. Like I said at the beginning, I was doing all the side stuff, and then really when I got into the story missions, I was like, oh, this is a much better story than I thought I was playing. Um, So it's it's one of those where you have to ration the side stuff. Um, At the end of the day, now that that you've beaten it and you've uh, you've pretty much done everything there is to Mm -hmm. do with the game, Thoughts? Review? Did you feel it was worth it? Did you enjoy it? Good time? Recommend it? You know, the usual. Yeah, I I definitely feel that it was worth it. And as far as recommending, I was thinking about this some because it ended up being on, you know, a lot of Game of the Year contender lists. Mm -hmm. And I don't... Without the DLC, I don't know that I'd put it on there at all. Right. Um, with the DLC, I can see that making a lot more sense. Um, just because that's how good the DLC was. Mm-hmm. Um, or is, I should say. But, you know, I I still don't know that it has a place in Game of the Year uh, discussion. But I can certainly understand it from certain people's perspective. Yeah. So I think there are, and I, I don't know how to quantify this at the moment. But I think there would be certain people perhaps I would recommend it to, but it's not one I would recommend to everyone. Yeah. You know, it's not a black flag, hey, you should go play this type thing. Mm-hmm. It's more of a, what kind of games do you like? Okay, yeah. well, you'd probably like Horizon Zero Dawn then. Um, <laughs> my, uh, my top note to, for this cast, for this episode, 
was to make sure I mentioned that the climbing still sucks. <laughs> um, I am so sick and tired of the climbing. It's to the point where instead of looking for where I should be climbing up, you know, these small little either highlighted and wider yellow areas, which are not, it's not like Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed obvious, where it's like, oh, this is obviously where you should be walking up. You know, it's glowing bright neon green. Mm-hmm. It's, okay, look for this little bit of white amongst this white and gray mountain. It's like, okay, um, it doesn't really stick out. Um, instead of looking for those spots, I will actually look for spots where I can jump mm-hmm. and try to s- jump scale like Skyrim horse style my way up these things. And it's it's fairly successful. Um, it's not whatever, always successful. Whatever gets but it, it done, man, and gets less headache on your part. Yeah, I'm like, all right, I can see the spot like 10 feet up I need to be, but I can't figure out how to get to that spot. So mm-hmm. instead I'm going to hop around until hopefully I can jump just high enough to where the you know game catches the uh, uh, the ha- overhang farming or whatever, you know, ladder, whatever the case may be, yeah. whatever climbing point I'm supposed to be hitting. So that is probably one of my biggest annoyances with the game is the whole uh, climbing thing. And that that's a problem for me. Well, I wouldn't say a problem. It's like a cursed blessing, I guess. Like, I always say that Dark Souls has tainted other action fighting games like that for me. Right. Breath of the Wild has tainted other games when it comes to climbing. Like, when, when you play Breath of the Wild and you get that climbing down, I, I guess maybe Assassin's Creed, specifically later ones, like maybe even Black Flag, is not as bad because you don't have stamina. So mm-hmm. you could pretty much climb forever. But I like the challenge of the... Oddly, I like the challenge of the stamina and the climbing. And it, I mean, it, it had a few... The rain got me in climbing more than anything else. Yeah. Any, most of the time, I could, I would, I want to say around probably nine times out of ten, if there was no weather involved, I could maneuver a mountain. I could mm-hmm. get where the fuck I needed to go. Fuck, the minute you were three way, three out of four steps up a mountainside and it rained, you're done. Yeah. That I hated. And the first time it started raining while I was climbing in Horizon Zero Dawn, I was like, great. <laughs> but it didn't have any effect. I was like, yeah, oh, thank you goodness. Like, yes. <laughs> there, there's a part where you actually climb up next to a waterfall and actually go on, you know, water-soaked rocks. And I'm like, I'm so glad this game doesn't have any sort of water <laughs> impact because this would be not possible yeah. in this game. It wouldn't be possible in, you know, Breath of the Wild to go over this spot. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't want to take their thunder because they brought it up before I thought about it. But of all... This is one detriment, a small, small detriment of uh, Breath of the Wild was that you didn't have enough things that would completely mitigate issues. Like, this one, prime example. Uh, Well, let's just for another example, actually, weapons. If they would let you somehow, some way, through a trial, through maybe killing a damn near impossible side boss or something give you a weapon or weapons that would never break at all, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. To finally, to ha- that would be like an ultimate payoff for having weapon durability. 
That would right. be the ultimate payoff for having to spend hours and hours and hours of weapon breaks, weapon breaks, weapon breaks. But they didn't. If uh, actually, I think the I think the Master Sword when you finally I mean I think after the last DLC or the second to last DLC you could actually get it where it doesn't break. But I, I could be totally wrong there. I haven't played the DLC, so I don't know. Yeah, it's it's on my it's on my burner list. But of all the armors that you get that have so many great side effects, not one of them affects your climbing in the rain. There is a climbing kit or a climbing uh, outfit, and it works great for it does. You can Mm -hmm. very, very much tell that it increases your climbing speed. But if rain hits, it don't matter. All that does is give you a little bit, a little more edge whenever you're trying to climb. Because it, you know, you're climbing faster at a faster rate. But oh man, a f- some type of fucking Zora-based wetsuit that would let you climb mountains even in the rain. Oh, we need that. Hopefully, these address these issues will be addressed in whatever next Zelda game they have, whether it's a Breath of the Wild sequel or not. Yeah. Anyhow, anything else for your week, my friend? Was that it? Uh, yeah, that was it. I'm just gonna keep. I was grinding away up until you did the uh, Skype call with me. I had to pause the game. I'm working on side stuff on the DLC, trying to get that to 100%. Gotcha. I'm at like 80 or something, and I'm like, uh-huh. what do I have left to do? So I actually had to pull up a list online and go, what am I missing? Right. Because um, I don't yeah. feel like I'm missing nearly 20% of content. When I beat the story, beat all the, got all the collectibles on the map, and I actually have under collectibles, or not under collectibles, but on the screen that shows you your percentage there's something that says unknown and doesn't have a number next to it i'm like what if i missed what quantifiable thing based on a number am i missing yes i was it a battleground by chance i I still don't actually know what that particular unknown is but i do have the list of side stuff to do maybe players unknown oh my god (laughs) anyway uh, let's see. Is there anything else for my week? Let's go back to my checklist. Uh, That's right. You hear that, people? This man comes prepared. This is quality yep. podcasting at, at its finest. I have a dedicated notebook just for the podcast now. Dedicated just for you, folks. Yep. Oh, I do have a couple of news things once we're done with your week if you want to skim over them. Sure. All right. Uh, my week... Knock out a couple movies. Uh, I watched, I watched three of them. Damn, I should go back to my fucking Facebook page <laughs> and find it. I am the unprepared one uh, for my own podcast. That's how I play. No, I did watch three separate movies. Uh, they're not all well-known things. That's that's totally fine. One was uh, better watch out. This is a pretty cool premise. It is a home invasion style movie. Uh, set in a Christmassy time. Uh, the Christmas is just the theme. It's not like the main thing in the movie. Has a very, very cool twist. It takes a different approach to the uh, home invasion theme. Has a very cool twist that that shows that sheds light on that. What I just said at the middle of the movie. Very good. I enjoyed it. Well, not not very good. It's not a, like a five out of five, but. I was entertained. I like the spin. I like where they went with it. I also watched uh, 1922, which apparently was an adaptation of a Stephen King book. 
apparently this this adaptation was not the strongest adaptation in the world. Uh, as far as a movie, it was. I mean, I was lukewarm. It was okay. Mm, that's about all I'm gonna say about that one. It wasn't bad. I mean, check it out, get your own opinion. But it was, yeah, it was all right. Uh, and then I watched Bright, which this has been advertised pretty heavily the past few months. It's a Netflix film. Mm-hmm. This movie had potential. Uh, it was directed. I, be, no, I believe the screenplay was written by a Mr. Max Landis, which I'm I'm give or take on him anyway. But the premise of the movie was very interesting. It's set in a time where orcs, well, actually, well, fantasy creatures in general exist in our world, like side by side. There's humans. There's orcs. There's elves. There's centaurs. There's fairies. Oh, there's magic, there's magic wands, there's all there's all these fantasy elements, and they merge them in a realistic uh, depiction in this movie. The I w- just like Max Landis, I was actually very lukewarm on the movie. I think the premise was good. I think with I think the idea was great, but the execution was not that great. It was okay. It was very middle ground. Had some funny moments, had some had some cool parts in it, but nothing to write home about. I feel, and I, I'm not alone in this, I feel this is a movie that would be better suited for a series. And given that it is a Netflix movie, I mean, this should have done. There's a lot more that needs to be fleshed out in this movie to make it just, to make it, uh, just click 100%. I think there are some jokes that ran a little long. I think there were some scenes that could have been cut out. I think there were some scenes that there was a lot. I mean, Cinema Sense has already torn the movie apart. Of course, there's a lot of there's a lot of bad there's a lot of uh, errors in the movie. But yeah, good idea. I give them you know a couple claps for what they did. It's just I was just when I walked away, I was it was very middle ground. That's it for the movies. Uh, video games, even shorter list. Uh. For those curious, no, I have not went back to Persona 5 yet. Uh, the first thing I did do was beat Dark Souls 3. Fuck yeah. I gave that, nice. I think I gave that a 4, either a 4.0 or 4.5, something like that. Great. I love it. Uh, I love Dark Souls 1. It is on my top 10, no, top 15 wall. Dark Souls 2, to tell you the truth, I'm indifferent to. Uh, well, let me let me pull that back. Let me go ahead and reel that one back. I'm not indifferent to it. I I don't understand why it got criticized as badly as it did. I played Dark I played through and beat Dark Souls two. I want to say early last year, so my memory is I've only played through it once. I did not new game plus that one. Uh, my memory of it's kind of hazy because I just did. I ran through that game in one playthrough. Well, not one. Well, yeah, one playthrough, not one session. If I could beat any Dark Souls in one play session, holy fuck. <laughs> uh, Dark Souls 2, from my outside perspective, had a lot of hate around it. And as since I have now played through it myself, I never got it. I didn't understand. I had some gripes about a few about a few things here and there, but nothing that just made me want to demolish the game. Dark Souls 3, I think, did a very, very good job of bringing back the feel of Dark Souls 1. Yeah, it had some fan service callbacks. Of course it did. I'm not going to deny that. But the controls were much tighter, kind of like how Dark Souls 2 was for me. Less glitchier, thank God. Uh, 
very solid game. So I would I would easily put that one as the third of my favorites. I put Bloodborne as number two. I mean, Bloodborne is has a fucking knife to Dark Souls' throat. I tell you that right now. Bloodborne <laughs> is fucking awesome and well deserved of every single bit of praise it gets. Dark Souls just has it's just a place in my heart. So, uh, Dark Souls, Bloodborne, and Dark Souls Three is the order I put it in. Still got to finish Demon Souls someday, so I'll I'll have my final say on where where that one stands like i said i did not go back to i did not go back to persona 5 i haven't yet uh to tell you the truth i don't know when i'm gonna go back to it it definitely won't be an if i I did pay pretty much retail price for that game so at some point in my life i'm gonna have to get that one a second run through i just really want to stress that it's not that the game is bad I'm not giving that a negative review because I have not played it near enough to give it that review. I haven't apparently made it out of starter, the starter area yet, and I haven't beat it, of course. So I'm just, I'm just my personal initial impression of that game is I am indifferent to it. I don't love it. I don't hate it. I think there are some cool points in it. I think there are some good things that it did, but I think, I think this game suffers. For me, it suffers the the. The lack of experience on my end from other Persona games may be like muddying the waters for me, so to speak. I don't have a rich history of Persona 5 with any Persona game, so I can't rise up the ladder and go, oh, I'm so happy for these changes and these improvements because I don't know what the fuck they are. I take it as face value as a game, and it's meh. So more to follow on Persona 5 sometime in the future. What I have been playing, what I rolled into immediately, I'm like, come on, folks, this is common sense. If you listen to my to our last episode, I got a fucking Nintendo Switch for my birthday, so yeah. fuck yeah. I got uh, Snipper Clips, which I play with my wife, and I got Mario Odyssey. And yeah, yeah, so a lot of good notes about this. Number one, I'm going to talk about the Switch first. Okay. Uh, I mentioned last episode, I do like the novelty of having the Switch controllers, the uh, Joy-Cons, if I'm going to be mm-hmm. actually nerdy about it and call them what the fuck they are, the Joy-Cons that separate from the, the Switch itself, and you can hold them whatever fucking angle you want, however you want to sit, and they control. However, I didn't find this out until a few days ago, there's a caveat. I don't like this about this, Chris. The Joy-Cons are line of sight. I did not know that. I found that out because in different sitting positions that I was in, I would start losing control of these Joy-Cons. If I had, like, if I was sitting, like, Indian style and then had, like, the controllers just off to the side being blocked by all kind of shit, it would mess up. It would interfere. And I went looking online, and they're like, yeah, if it's, it's known that sometimes if they don't have a line of sight, they may have a problem. I don't understand how that's a thing. I don't I don't get that. And hey, maybe it's me, folks. Maybe I just have somewhat faulty Joy-Cons. I don't know. But I do know that there were times where I would make Mario jump and he wouldn't jump. Not that I didn't jump on time, as in I'm sitting out in a fucking <laughs> open field pressing the jump button and he jumps a second later. Yeah. Or I go to, to turn left and he turns left a second later. There, there were times where lag was involved. No big deal. I'm a big boy. I can hold the controllers at in the angles or ways where they can be seen. But that's a no-go for me. That's a... This is 2018. 
I can have my Xbox One controller, which I play PC games with, anywhere in my house, and I can still play. Yeah. Like, I, I have a fucking GameCube with a WaveBird that I made it a point to show my parents, hey, look, I could be 2,000 fucking feet away from my GameCube <laughs> and still play with my WaveBird. Isn't wireless technology cool? Yeah. So, whatever the reason, before I get, you know, our fans beating my door down, no, this not, my little bit of research from where I stopped at was that an issue apparently was line of sight. If it's not that, well, fuck me. Either way, I went out and bought a pro controller. Okay. No big deal, because in my mind, I was already going to buy a second controller anyway, and Joy-Cons are 79 bucks. Yeah. The Pro Controller was only 69 So, hey, yeah. I've got Joy-Cons, and I've got a controller that I like. Uh, I like the Joy-Con. I'm, I'm telling you, just something about playing with a different set of controllers is cool, and the, as the idea of having the Joy-Con separate and you can have your hands anywhere, that is a very cool idea. But something about playing that, and then putting an actual controller back in my hands, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, I was tear-assing through Mario after that. Oh, I was hauling. I was going. Uh, today, specifically, I brought my Switch to work with me for work for play during my lunch break, for anybody that gives me shit, because <laughs> I wanted to test out, just, just to get an idea of what the portability is actually like. Yeah. I wanted to play with the screen. I wanted to tote it around and see how odd it was to carry around. Uh, it was fine to carry around. I can definitely see where you're going to need a case or something yeah, to carry. It with I immediately you. bought a case for mine. Exactly. Yeah. You, uh, the you're not going to put this thing in your pocket. I no. mean, you can. I do have pants that it would fit, but even that, even there's still a third of it going to be. It's going to be sticking out somewhere. Mm -hmm. If you have it in your front pocket, I don't know how the fuck you do it unless you got carpenter <laughs> pants. But again, it's either going to feel awkward in your pants or it's going to stick out. I mean, I'm not going to do that. I'd have it in a case and tote it around somewhere. I would treat it like a laptop, so to speak. Yes. The screen for it. After I made all the settings that I wanted, the sound, the uh, brightness and all that, great fucking screen. I mean, yeah. for the size that it is, for what it's doing, oh yeah, great screen. Enjoyed it. Uh, and we, we've actually, we've discussed this before on a, uh, on our mobile gaming episode, but the, the portability aspect of the Switch, I, I am not the target audience. I typically do all of my gaming right here at the the same exact spot that I'm recording this episode on, actually just in my chair in front of my screens. Uh, I don't have a commute. I do, well, I do commute to work, but I don't have any situation in my life that for extended period of time I'm riding somewhere. I don't ride a train to work. I don't ride a subway to work. Yeah. I don't fly frequently, so I so I'll, I I just don't have I don't have times in my life where this is going to be like a prominent figure. It's going to be great to be able to take this with me when I do go places like a doctor's visit or something like that. But this is the, the, the portability of the Switch is not the main sale for me. What I will say is now that I have toted it around a little bit and done some, some mobile gaming, I can see that it does just as good. The, of course, I'm, I'm playing the Switch on a 55-inch uh, HDTV, 
as opposed to when I'm portable, it's on the little, it's on the smaller screen. But it it's nice for what it is for the portability of it. It's nice. Uh, what else did I want to talk about with this thing? Uh, I don't know what voodoo you have to do to this switch in order to get the stand to pop out from the back, but holy fuck. I, I always yeah. keep my fingernails trimmed so I don't have fingernails, and it it took an act of Congress to get that stand <laughs> out when I needed to get out. It got to the point where I was just leaning it up against things and just, so you just fucking stay there. Yep. I, uh, I definitely agree with that. I'm trying to think if there's any if there's something else. I think that's really it for the. Uh, I mean the, the the just like here at the house, the ability to just press a button and throw that bad boy into sleep mode is awesome. The screen capture on the Switch I love. The fact that there is a fucking dedicated button to screenshots, instantaneous, no fuss, no muss. Click this fucking button, you take a picture. It doesn't ask you to save doesn't ask you to edit. There is a fucking button dedicated to screenshots. That's cool. I like that's another little aspect of the Switch that I do like. Uh, as far as Mario Odyssey, it, it didn't take Chris. It didn't take long. It did not <laughs> take long, man. I, I love Mario games, period. Mm-hmm. So I knew this was going to happen. There was no... I what, When I first talked about uh, me having the Switch on the last episode... I maybe had, like, maybe, I think, like, 15 moons or so. That was enough to get a good starting feel for the game. I had to put it down because I had to finish Dark Souls. So Mm -hmm. there was a good three or four days of time where it just sat there. I did not touch it at all. By the time I hit close to about total, close to about 25 or 30 moons, I was in. Oh, (laughs) Oh, man. It's, like I said from the get-go, it's a Mario game. It's fun automatically. You pick up Zelda, you're going to have fun. You pick up Mario, you're going to have fun. They designed these games to be fun, and they are. All the different techniques that I'm still learning, still learning in this game, have all been useful. I've I've found so many... I was so good back in the day, specifically of playing Mario 64 for maneuverability. If I needed to get to a higher spot, I could do it three different ways. And in Mario Odyssey, you can do it in like 10. There's, there are so many jumping tricks and running tricks and hat tricks to to, the, the, the maneuverability and the, and the tricks in at your disposal are great. They're all good for something. Uh, here's an example. The There's a move where if you tilt your... I don't know how it works for the Joy-Cons, because I'm, I'm using the Pro Controller now. But if you take the Pro Controller and you jerk it to the right, if you take your left hand and pick up and leave your right hand stationary, to like basically look like if you had a steering wheel and, were, and you were quickly turning it to the right... Uh, Mario would throw his hat out and it will spin around him. It'll make like a like a perimeter, so to speak. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this is cool. When I have a bunch of enemies around me, I can just throw the hat out and it'll spin in a circle and knock them out. It was also good when you went to spoiler warnings for 
God, I should have said that from the get-go, but spoiler warnings for Mario Odyssey. Not for story, because it's fucking Mario, folks, but I, I want to save spoilers for this one, the same reason why I want to save them for Breath of the Wild. It's experience in this game that's going to make it. You know, going into Breath of the Wild for the first time and just seeing shit unfold in front of you, that's the joy of that game. And there's a lot of, there's a little bit of that in Mario Odyssey as well. But there are spoilers again. There's a, there's a snow world in Mario Odyssey. Hey, go figure. There's a fucking snow world in Mario. Who knew? But if you take your hat and you throw the hat out, it will clear snow out. Well, fuck yeah, I did the fucking hat spin motion and I could clear out snow like nobody's business. Which is great because there's, there are moons underneath snow a lot of times. So it makes it even quicker for me to clear snow out and, and, and find shit. There's fucking attack jumps, there's back jumps that, there's power butt slams that you can then jump up afterward. They, ah, a lot of maneuverability. Yep. The levels themselves, this is where it got me. The shit that I told you about Breath of the Wild, how it's like, I know my objective, but I want to do this, and then I go do this and go do that, that is in this game. The yep. open world aspect of this game, Chris, I am all about. I am sold on that idea when it comes to Mario, because I would know going into a world, I need to find like, like 15 moons. Number mm-hmm. one... That's a lot of moons. That's a lot of objectives already. But I have left worlds and had like 50-something moons in my arsenal. Because I would just go and just find a moon. Do this thing, find another moon. Go do this little trick, find another moon. Go go search this nook, find a moon. Search that cranny, find another moon. And it's, it, it draws you in. It gets, There are so many... I had always heard about this game that there were so many very, very obvious moons. Like, you know, when you play Breath of the Wild, there were Koroks that were just, like, damn near right in front of you. Uh, I believe I'm saying the Korok Seeds, right? No? Shit. Uh, what am I thinking? I don't know. There, I could never remember. I kept there's, looking up. There's 900... That is right. Korok Seeds, right? Jesus. It, I am losing my fucking mind. Chris. I mean, I don't think it's Clorox. I don't think it's bleach, but no, I think it's close. Cor- <laughs> oh God, breath wild Clorox. I hope I'm right here. If not, I'm going fucking crazy. It's late. yeah. I think it's like Clorox. Clorox seeds. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not fucking crazy. In Breath of the Wild, there were many, many times where I would go. I would see very blatant, very obvious. Korok seeds. Like, okay, I literally just push this rock over and I'm going to get one. There are some in Odyssey, there are moons in Odyssey that are like that, but just like in Breath of the Wild, there are also ones that are hidden under Aloy. you got to do a lot of shit to get to them. They'll have little mini zones designed all around one moon. And in that zone that is designed to, if you just reach the goal, you get a moon, there's like four other ones in it as well. So, there's so much gameplay all over the place Yep. in this game. There is so many, there's so much gameplay in every level of this game. And the other itch that gets me is, okay, 
this world I needed I needed ten moons to do what I needed to do and move on. I got forty something moons. I know there's more. Have I you looked at the checklist thing I mentioned? That I have I've I've been holding myself off from doing that. I, I don't know why. I feel like that's gonna draw some of the magic for me. I, I, I'm doing as much as I can naturally. I want to explore every area, every nook and cranny. I'm, apparently, that's my thing tonight. The Nook and Cranny Show with Michael <laughs> and Chris. And Chris says, fuck you. That's you saying it, not me. Draw me in a Nook and Cranny Show. Uh, I, I'm going through the levels on my own and doing as much exploration until either one, I feel like, in a, in a nice way, not a bored way, but I feel like I'm done with a world or... And this is usually why I feel like I've gotten the majority of the, of the moons. Uh, I will start doing the checklist, but I'm gonna wait till later. Yeah, right I now, got... I'm I'm naturally progressing through the levels, and I will probably beat the game and then go. Okay, let's go back and see. I got sixty moons in this level. Oh shit! I, there was a fucking hundred and forty. Well, I'm fucked. <laughs> what a what an asshole I am. Yeah. That was uh that was kind of how I felt about it. It was one of those things where I was like, okay, I've gotten so many moons here. So many. Uh-huh. It's like, surely there's not many left. Let me go look at the checklist. I'm like, oh, I've gotten like half. Yeah. Um, where in the world are they? So it's like, okay, yes. I thought I explored, you know, pretty well. Mm-hmm. But let me go back and start going through things again and hitting everything and, you know, checking everything and, you know. That's That's something that blew my mind. And I mean, I'm not, I hate to keep bringing up Zelda like this is the fucking, the Nintendo Power Hour, but when I went through Breath of the Wild for the first time, my first playthrough file, the one that had like 340 something plus hours, I I didn't necessarily go out of my way to find these Korok seeds, but because I was exploring naturally anyway... I felt I got a pretty good amount. You know, I felt like I was, without actually saying, okay, stop full game, I'm going to go specifically hunt Korok seeds. I still felt like if I was going from point A to point B, if I was going from point A from one shrine to another, I felt like I got like maybe two, maybe three every time. I just felt like naturally I was getting a fair amount. When I finished that game... I had like maybe 115 Korok seeds. And I was now before I knew the truth about that, I was like, oh, fuck yeah, I must have did really good. And then to find out that there were 900 <laughs> total, that's kind of how that's yeah. I, I feel you, man. And I was like, where the fuck are these seeds at? How could I have overlooked over 700 of these things? How? So I, I I'm actually waiting for that experience. I'm I'm waiting to go back into these worlds and be like, all right, let's see how many. Oh shit, yeah, I've got like seventy more to go. Fuck yeah. We will see. We will see. Uh, another thing I wanted to talk about were the outfits. I will be the first to admit when I heard and saw that Mario Odyssey was going to feature new outfits for Mario, I was upset. I want to make it clear. 
I was not upset because Mario was changing his classic look. I'm cool with that, man. I'm fine. I made peace with that back in, say, uh, Mario Sunshine when he carried around that fucking ba- when he carried around the flood with him at all times because he had a backpack on and he didn't. I mean, he kind of looked like Mario, but that fucking backpack was on his back. You always looked at that backpack. I've got no problem with looking, with Mario looking different. I was upset about it because as, as less spoilery as it could be, and I'm going to ask you about this in a minute too. Okay. I saw some of the outfits that he could change into. And I was like, they're all fucking generic. Of course they're going to be generic. It's Mario. They're not going to go wait. You're not going to see a fucking Bloodborne costume on Mario. That would be cool. I would love to see the old Hunter Mario, but I don't think you're going to see that. Maybe I'm wrong. But I saw, you know, a, a, a captain's outfit, like a pilot's outfit. I saw a cowboy outfit. I saw... These generic costumes for him. And I was like, uh, that's, that's gonna be fairly boring. Mm-hmm. But the more that I'm getting them and the ability to mix and match them, I actually kind of like it. <laughs> and I'm, I'm interested to see. I haven't looked this up yet and I don't want to, but right now I think I have like 12 tops and 12 hats. I wonder how many more you get in the game. If I find out you get like 50 or 60, that's awesome. But if it's really only 20, that's going to be kind of a letdown. Do you by chance know, like, have have you beat Odyssey yet? Uh, it, well, well. Yes, yes I have. Okay, about how many moons have you got since you kind of stopped playing? Uh, oh, God, let me... You know, let me boot it up and check. I I don't even have an idea at this point. It's been so long. Well, the the main question I was I was asking, the one I was getting to was about how many outfits total do you think you have? But I Um, guess I guess probably be better to look that one up too. So, how many how many levels have you done? Or worlds? Uh, I think I'm on like maybe my either seventh or eighth world. I'm at the I'm at the next beach type world. Okay, it's the one that had the fucking octopus that was that's on the pipe. Yeah, yeah, that's that's where I am right now. And I want to say again, I've got like twelve outfits. Yeah, I think there are, and this is just an arbitrary number. I could be completely wrong. I feel like there's two per world. Yeah. Maybe a third in a couple. Yeah. Um, but I think it's two per world. It's the general. Well, how many worlds are there? I don't even remember offhand. <laughs> gotcha. The okay. the one you're on is pretty far in. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, again, it's not a fucking deal breaker. It's not something that's going to make me utterly pissed off and write Nintendo about it. It's just... Maybe through DLC, or maybe through maybe they'll just add some more to the uh, the Nintendo store or something. It'd be nice to have even more costumes. I, I'm I'm more into the costume idea in this game than I than I initially was. I've got a couple outfits that I like, 
Like right now, I'm rocking the. Listen to me, like I'm, I'm such a fucking hip kid. <laughs> In Mario Odyssey, my current outfit, I'm rocking the. I've got the pirate uh, outfit. I've got the pirate outfit, and for my hat, I've got the baseball cap, the uh, Famicom hat, because it's turned backwards. I like that. <laughs> I was I was rocking his cowboy hat for the longest just because I was like, wow, I don't believe it, but I actually like him with a cowboy hat on. All in all, I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. I think. Let me think here. Make sure I'm saying this correctly. I think that this game will probably be for me the probably be a good the reason so far why I purchased the Switch. Like for me, the Breath of the Wild purchase was absolutely hands down, no questions asked. The the best thing for me for buying the Wii U. It was totally worth me having to buy the Wii U, even as late in the process as I did. So I didn't have to buy it for a brand new price, yada, yada, yada. But for the Switch so far, the main reason why I wanted a Switch right now was because of Mario. If I didn't have it for the Wii U, it would be Mario and Zelda both. But uh, it, I'm so hesitant, man. Like, I want to say that this was worth the purchase, but I haven't made that far in the game. I haven't beat it. I haven't dumped that many hours into it. And uh, I just I need to know what else is going to be coming out for the Switch. I I wish this was like two down two years down the road, where I've got other games in this library and can say it was worth it. Right. All I can say right now is that, I mean, I, I had the funds. I bought the Switch. I was able to. It didn't fucking break my bank, and I I didn't fucking take out a loan to buy this thing. And I love Mario games. Period. And I'm having fun with this one. Uh, game of the year contender? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm definitely having fun with it, but Breath of the Wild is on such a fucking mountain, you know? Yeah. I would say I can definitely see how Mario Odyssey would be in a top 10 list for a game of the year. I can definitely see that. No problem. Right. But that's that's pretty much it for me. I haven't really played anything else. I haven't sidetracked or started working on anything else. Uh, and it's given how much time I'm probably going to dump into Odyssey. I can't even begin to tell you what I'm going to work on after the fact. But right now, playing Odyssey will probably be you will probably be, be giving you the same update for the next few uh, episodes. But I'm enjoying it, having a good time. Fuck yeah, Mario Odyssey, love it. So is this? Has this become a uh, Breath of the Wild situation yet, where you think you're going to be playing it and pretty much nothing but it until at least when you beat it? Probably. Probably. I don't know if it's going to be a three to four hundred hour scenario again, and I won't know that and won't be able to make a, a, even a, a, in a time cast report on that until I've probably beaten the game. And have gotten to that mode where I'm going back through and getting everything that I want to get. I know that there are a fuck ton of moons in this game. I've heard that there are several of them that are just purchased. And now I see what they mean by that, yeah. by purchasing the stars. Those I may just wash aside. 
the ones that are in the level that require you to hunt, search, do a mini game or something specifically, I'll be all over those. I will probably checklist every one of those. But I won't know how many of those I have left to do until I beat the game. I'm I'm pretty much saving that for then. For now, yes, I will primarily and predominantly be playing that game and probably only that game. Uh this game feels so much like a this is a breakaway game. This will probably this will probably revert to a breakaway game after I've beaten it. It'll be something where I'm yeah. playing something else. I'm playing Yakuza Zero and feel burnout and want to go take a break. I'll pick up Odyssey and go go scavenge some moons, you know? Yeah, I'm sitting at two hundred and thirty three moons. Wow. And you've already gently put it down. Well, I or is just, it or is it an in between game for you now? That's what I intended it, but I have so much stuff in my PS4 backlog, right? That because I've technically beat it, it it's kind of taken the back burner. It's not when I do go back and playing play it, I'm going to be playing it a lot probably, right? Um, so I wouldn't say it's quite that you know type breakaway game category. But it's definitely one that I've put more on the back burner for now. Yeah. But that's pretty much it. That's it for my week. I remember you said you had some news. Yeah, so uh, I was reading today, looking to see if there's anything that uh, would be worth talking about. And something that jumped out at me is Grand Theft Auto V Uh has now sold... Over 90 million copies. This puts it... Crazy. This puts it at number three for all-time best-selling game. Yep. First and second are Tetris and Minecraft. That is insane. Yep. That is insane. 90 million copies. And at uh, four, I believe it said it had 25 million or 35 million, something like that. It was less than half, I believe. And the game is still selling, too. Yeah, you know, what they did with Grand Theft Auto Online is just made it, uh, extended its lifetime quite a bit. It's insane how little I hear about the GTA V online scene. Mm-hmm. I And I'm talking present day, present day right now as of this episode. I hear, I still hear about, I still hear about World of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. I still hear about Call of Duties every now and again. Still hear about Dota, but primarily, of course, right now I hear about Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. Yeah, I have to hunt in my real life to talk to people about Grand Theft Auto. Like I think I know one to two people that still play it, and even them, they even they rarely talk about it, but they're playing it. Yeah, it's like everybody is so quiet about this. I, apparently, I need to get on this online scene and see what the fucking <laughs> deal is because. Holy shit, that game is still up there, you know? Yeah, and it, it's... Um, typically, you hear about it after the DLCs is when it starts popping back up, which they just had another one not too long ago. Yeah. So I've been watching uh, Let's Plays of those. The Achievement Hunter guys always go through them. They actually went up and... Uh, I don't know if it's this DLC in particular or a, a future one. They went up and to the uh, Rockstar offices and played the DLC early. So that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, it, it, like I said, I enjoy it for a chill 
thing. I enjoy the races more than anything else because trying to do the missions with the randoms, I've just, you know, we'll talk about this, I'm sure, when we get into our topic, but uh-huh. it's just rough sometimes. And I don't want to go through that, especially when you get into the more advanced ones that actually have a cost behind it. So, yeah. sure, you'll make a bunch of money, but you're probably going to have to put some up front, um, at least if you're leading the group. You have to put yeah. money up front. Yeah. So, it's it's a gamble that I haven't quite felt like taking, and I don't, aside from unlocking some pretty awesome vehicles, which they've been doing, there's like a uh, flying car. It's basically a hovercraft, and it can go as high as you want, though. So, it's not just, you know, hovering a little bit above the ground or hover on water. It's a no joke, flying through the clouds, flying car. Yeah. Um, so that's awesome. And there's a bunch of other vehicles they've added that are, you know, awesome in their own ways. There's a Batmobile-looking one now. So they're just giving all these reasons to keep playing and earning the, you know, in-game money. Mm-hmm. Or spending your own money on it. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, The other piece of news... And I haven't actually looked into this too much, but I just thought the headline was interesting. It says, Best Buy no longer selling CDs. Oh, yeah. And people yeah. are upset about it. I think it went on to say. What do you think about them uh, no longer selling CDs? You know, I think I think I put a post about this. Somebody posted a question, like, what was the first and last? I think they just asked, what's the first disc you ever bought and I just mm-hmm. put my last just for shits and giggles. Believe it or not, Chris, again, this is a fucking feather in my hat for the nerd crew. <laughs> uh, holy shit. The first CD that I ever owned was Killer Cuts. The Killer Instinct soundtrack. <laughs> I still remember that to this day. It came with, I got the copy with the with, with the disc in it, hell yeah. The last disc I'm pretty sure was a Breaking Benjamin's CD, and that was, good God, close to seven years ago, if not more. For me, being a person that has predominantly went on music files and has been for, God, close to a decade, probably if not more, if you count yeah. when I first. Oh yeah, yeah, way more for me actually. Uh. I do like having a physical media thing. I do like having a tangible thing. I still have my fucking DVD collection in my room. But, I mean, come on. It, it's it's a sign of the times. And the accessibility, availability, and ease of use that comes with using actual music files instead of physical discs, I, I, I'm all about. I'm all about putting a, you know, some type of memory stick into something and having 5,000 songs as opposed to close to 12 yeah. or 20 or whatever. I do understand being an uh, audiophile to a degree that CDs produce better audio. I get that. One can also make the argument that if you have a good enough audio editing software, you should be able to match that quality if not get, in, if not get better. Like, that doesn't, that doesn't affect me. Yeah, I was about to say, is that even true anymore? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't see how it could be because, again, isn't with, it... all, with, with audio software, you should be able to, if not record it at a, at a, at a comparable uh, 
quality rate, you should be able to produce it in your own house to sound better. But well, I don't know. I've never delved into it, so I don't know. I mean, what, what do you think when they're recording in a studio? They don't record it straight to it. It goes to some form of media, you know, first. Um, typically digital. I wouldn't imagine anything else. Mm. Um, unless it's some sort of, you know, and I don't know what the, I guess high quality is just a way to put it. I was going to say high res, but that's not really relevant to this. Um, high quality, you know, tape type, you know, technology. I'm not talking about, you know, old cassette tapes, obviously, but a uh, much higher quality something. But yeah, I mean, really at this point, is it your speakers or what is the kind of what's the limiting factor these days on the quality of the stuff you're going to listen to? Because yeah. I don't think digital is an issue anymore. As long as they're encoded, I mean, you can encode at CD and DVD quality levels mm-hmm. uh, for video and audio. So what's the uh, what's the threshold here? I don't know. Uh, any of our listeners out there, specific, specifically ones who have a lot of knowledge and or hands-on experience with this subject, email us, contact us, let us know. I am very base level when it comes to this. I like, for example, I produce this podcast. I take care of all the post production and the audio quality. So, yes, when there are pops and scratches and bad tones, you can come to me. I'm the one that fucks it up. <laughs> and I do listen to a lot of music. I do like a lot of video game soundtracks. I I'm an audiophile to a degree, but when it comes to, I mean, I, I I've got to I've got to assume that the larger the file would mean, hopefully would mean, or be an indication that there's more production in that file. Right. You know, it's at a better, it's at a a, a high quality sound rate. It has, you know, there's, there should be little to no issues when audio quality is concerned, like no pops or whatever. And I would also think that it, just like you said, it could also be whatever your, whatever your media playing device is. Are you using a good media player? Do, are, what, 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 what are you using to get sound to your, to your ears? Is it headphones? What is, what's the quality of the headphones? Are they good audio quality headphones? Or are they just fucking throwaways? I mean, what are you using? So I actually, I actually don't know about the validity of CD quality be, sounding better. It could also be for some reason, this is, this is another thing that I, I can't distinguish. When people say that they want vinyl records, because vinyl records sound better, I'm pretty sure they're not ex- actually meaning that the sound right. quality is better. I think they're saying that it sounds better because they prefer that style that they hear. They prefer I agree. That, they prefer that audio style. When it comes to digital media, when it comes to MP3 files or FLAC files or whatever file type you use compared to discs, is there a difference? I mean... I, I I don't know. I just don't know. And for me, I haven't bought a CD in a long time. I usually just, you know, get music online through whatever means. I, I don't know. It's It does not affect me. It's not hurting me. Uh, and, you know, this is something we could discuss one day on a separate topic. The, the going away from, from discs... Period. It's yeah. a whole, it's a whole another topic. As far as music discs, eh, it's not really, not really hurting me. 
doesn't really affect me that much. <laughs> yeah, the only CDs I still buy are, and I, I've, I don't know that I've ever bought a music CD from Best Buy, but uh, the only music CDs I still buy is whenever uh, Mindless Self Indulgence puts out a new one. Yeah. And that's just to go on my shelf with my collection, you know, because right. I have most of their CDs. Yeah. Um, I'll go and, you know, get a uh, uh, online or a, I just went completely stupid for a second. Sorry, I had a stroke. Um, I'll just go get a digital download of it anyway, whether I pay for it twice or not, you know, depending how I get it. It'll sit unopened on my shelf. That's the only reason I do it. It's just a little bit of extra support and to show off, you know, that I'm a fan of them. Uh, if anybody looks at my shelf of random crap. Well, if there's no more news from, from the Chris side of the ball field, yep. I guess we should roll into today's topic. Yep. Today, folks, we're going to talk about MMORPGs. Now... I'm fairly certain we have a a predominantly gamer audience that's listening to us. Again, if you're not, if you just like the way Chris's voice sounds, if you like the jokes that I tell, cool. We'll take any and all as we can get. But if you are that audience and you don't know what the those letters stand for, it stands for Massive Multiplayer Online Role-Playing Game. Takes RPG games and you put them to a massive audience. The ability for massive amounts of people, hundreds, thousands typically, maybe even hundreds of thousands, to play the same game roughly in the same arenas, the same areas, at roughly the same time. Uh, I've got a little bit of experience in these. A little yep. bit. A little bit. Uh, but Chris, why don't you go ahead and start. Give us some background history on your MMORPG Give us some qualifiers. Yeah, I'm glad you actually mentioned, you know, what it stands for and what it means. Because I was going to ask you all, you know, first off, you know, how do you define MMO? Um, especially a little behind the scenes where we were originally going to talk about MMOs in general, but then we narrowed it down to RPGs. Mm -hmm. um, I was going to ask you, you know, how you define it. And I think you nailed it. It's, and I think one of the keys is the in the same area or on the same server or, you know, that aspect of it. Because one of the games that actually had me going, does this belong on this list or not? It, and even the developers say it's not, but it's Destiny. Um, and that's a, you know, more recent thing. But that's a, you know, interesting... Uh, interesting thing to consider when even the developers go, no, this is not an MMO. Um, but I hop in, I play with other people, I'm on the same world. Sure, it's not as many people as a traditional MMORPG, but there's still, you know, up to, I think, 10 people in the same area as possible mm -hmm. or something like that. So there's not like a shortage of other people. But, you know, that's really neither here, neither there nor here. Um, so... My first MMO that I recall ever playing is RuneScape. Mm. Did you ever play RuneScape? Never played it. All right. So this one is, and it's still going, and I've actually thought about going and seeing if my character still exists. 
and just to see what they've done with the game. Um, it was, and I'll get into why I say was in a minute, but it was a top-down 2D type uh, game. It was played in browser. There's no, you know, console version, or there was. I don't know if there is now. Uh, but there wasn't a console. This is purely a browser-based MMO built-in Flash. And you had these, like, 30 different skills you could level. Um, all There were no limits. You could have all of them maxed out. Uh, and, you know, like... T- so the typical MMORPG. You've got your character. You've got your stats, your level. You've got quests you do. You've got a main story. Uh, typically a main story that you're following through with. And that's kind of the formula that makes up an MMORPG. Mm-hmm. Um, along with being able to do it with tons of other people. And RuneScape was one of those. And um, I don't know that it was... I'm trying to think of how it was set up server-wise. Because I think you could go to any server you wanted. You know, depending on how the population is something where you may want to go on one that's less populated. Mm-hmm. Um, there was PvP, that was a thing in it, but it's limited to a certain area. There's a boundary where you can no longer do PvP unless you flagged for, you know, uh, like player-to-player uh, combat with a particular person. Um, but really, nobody did that. They, of course, there were resources out in the PvP area that were great. So you had people that would camp those just to kill people trying to, you know, like mine this uh, hard-to-get uh, ore and whatnot. Um, but overall, it was interesting. It had a... The economy was a very much service-driven economy. Mm-hmm. There, It wasn't like, oh, I want to go buy, you know, these items off an auction house or something. They eventually added an auction house, but for a while, I don't think there was one. Hmm. Um, There's actually a forum where most transactions took place, and it was interesting. And I say service-based because it wasn't like, oh, I need to buy, you know, a thousand iron or ten thousand iron. You post, and it's like, okay, yeah, I can have that for you in, you know, X amount of time, uh-huh. it, unless someone actually spent the time to stock up ahead. Typically, what the farmers did, what they would look for an order that they could easily fill, or even have a you know quote unquote business around. Here, this is my going rate for these orders. This is the amount of time it will take me to do it. Place the order, and I'll go do it. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was a very interesting economy. I did that. I would mine and fish, and the fishing got to the point where they later on added a system, and this was for pretty much all resources that were crafting or gathering based. Mm-hmm. Um, they added a certificate system. You turn in 20 of an item or some whatever the number was, and you get a certificate back. So it helps mm-hmm. with inventory space, made trading resources a lot easier. So it got to the point where when I was fishing, I was catching, I remember it's lobsters. Uh, I actually hired someone in-game to run and turn my lobsters into certificates for me. So I could sit there and keep fishing, and they got to keep like one out of every six certificates because that was a trip. Mm-hmm. So they got, they, you know, just for running from me to the NPC, that was, you know, like five minutes away. <laughs> they got to keep this amount of stuff. And I pretty much have a load when they got back ready. 
Mm-hmm. So this NPC, this person just basically acted as, you know, a uh, runner for me. And that was, you know, that kind of economy in the game is very much service driven. Yeah. Um, there wasn't, I don't think, uh, a overarching story to the game. There were quests, sure, in all the areas. But I don't recall there being an actual story story that was, you know, final boss, you know, any bosses other than in quests that you had to go through. Which is kind of an oddity when I'm looking at the list of games I have for MMOs I've played. This is the only one, I think, without a story. Mm-hmm. Um, there may be, I think there's a story now. They may have added one. I know they've added tons of quests. And they actually, the game at one point turned into a 3D game. So they went from the 2D top down to a 3D at the angle type game. Yeah. So it's not quite top down, but it's not, you know, flat. It's mm-hmm. that, uh, that I'd say, se- yeah, like 70 degrees or so. Mm-hmm. So you get that angle. And to make it obvious, it's 3D and whatnot. Add more uh, visual effects to it. But they changed that. And I'm, I think after that, they changed even more stuff, which I don't even know about at this point. It's been so long. But they now have two versions of the game available. Mm-hmm. They have what they call RuneScape 3, because that's, you know, the third real big iteration of it. Mm-hmm. And then they have uh, Old School RuneScape, which is the actual name. It's Old School RuneScape. Yeah. So you can go back and play. I think it's a, when they went 3D is the point where they stopped changing graphically. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much content they've added, if any, to that, or if it's all in the new one and the old one's purely just the old stuff. Um, but I do know, I think you could have your character in one or the other, but once you went to 3, you couldn't go back or something like that. Um but I find it interesting the way they've kept this dual model up. And this is not a new thing. This has been... The game came out in 2001. I played probably until roughly 2003-ish, off and on. Mm-hmm. And they had done the 3D stuff at that point. But they did the split to between old school and 3. I want to say before 2010. And they're still managing both of these experiences in the same game. Hmm. So that's something that a lot of companies won't do. Yeah, They have one game. If you look at like Destiny, they or even, uh, I'll talk about Final Fantasy XI in a minute, but they cut off the PS2 support. They cut off the, yeah. you know, 360 and PS3 support. Mm-hmm. Did they, they cut off all console support, period, right, at this point? For 11? 11, yeah. I... I believe it is. You'd you'd be you'd be the more expert on that than yeah. I am. I I would say that if they did, I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah, um, and it got and the reason for that in eleven is because they got to so much content that it literally wouldn't fit on older consoles, uh-huh. and they wanted to make the game a little bit more visually appealing too. Yeah. So they you know added more high res uh, textures and whatnot. Anyway, so yeah, RuneScape was the first one I played. Um, I'm. I we should probably go back and forth talking about them yeah. unless we want to talk yeah. about the ones we've both played too yeah, uh, as we go idea. through. Um, I was otherwise, that while you were talking, I was like, yeah, we should. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll be here, you know, two three hours and talking about what I've done. But right, uh, right. But yeah, RuneScape my, was the first one I played. My first MMO RPG was Fantasy Star Online. For the Sega Dreamcast, I'm pretty sure that 
the that game you could play that game with a 56k I'm sorry you could play dream you could do things on the Dreamcast with a 56k modem but that mm-hmm. game I think required you to have the network I could be wrong on that I just I don't see playing an MMO over a phone line but it's been close to 15 years now who knows no that's absolutely what we did um because I don't know if I played Fantasy Star Online before RuneScape because I hadn't pulled up the date yet, but it says mm-hmm. it was. Oh, I'm sorry, it was 2001 worldwide. Yeah. So it was probably around the same time. But yeah, Final Fantasy XI and Fantasy Star Online were both dial-up modem games. It's crazy. It's so crazy to think in this day and age. But Fantasy Star Online was the first one for me. Uh, this is coming from a guy that has never played a single fantasy star, nothing mm-hmm. against them. I just didn't have them in my possession and I wasn't, it was just never pushed in my face to play them. I don't know what appealed to me about this game. This was, I was very, very ignorant to MMORPGs. Uh, this was probably around the time where games like EverQuest was a big thing. Uh... I wish I could look back and remember why I even picked this game up. Uh, maybe it was the graphics. Maybe the art on the box was cool. I, I don't know. But I but I got in the idea to play it, and I bought it. Had a had a pretty good time with it. Uh, this was a very old art for, for me, talking today in 2018. That should be the title of the podcast. I think I've said that three times now. But <laughs> giving the way that RPG, MMORPGs are today... Uh, it's hard to compare it to something like uh, like RuneScape because RuneScape visually is a whole different ball game. Oh yeah, yeah. It's not you're not playing RuneScape because you're looking for you know Final Fantasy fourteen quality. You're, hmm. you're playing it for the for the gameplay, right? For the for the graphics of Fantasy Star Online, given that it was a sixth generation console for what it was. Uh, they were good graphics back then. It mm-hmm. was also, it's also with, and, and this is especially true if this is a game that was playing over a 56k modem, uh, that you, you weren't going to have the most stellar graphics in the world because all that still requires processing. And it still requires you to do shit <laughs> in that game. So, for what it was back then, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the music uh, primarily. I could still hum some of the tracks in my head. The game, once, once, and I, I guess to a degree, this goes for almost any MMO that has any content. It seemed very large. It seemed expansive at the beginning when I first started playing PSO. But once you had finally beaten, like, the main quest of the, of the main game, it was basically four main hub areas, and you just kept retreading them. So yeah. your push to get through the game was fun uh your your drive to get to to the last area of the game and also subsequently beat the last boss was a drive and a push but once you did it wasn't really much left after that the it had a lot of rng to it there were a lot of definitely a lot of armors and weapons i'm pretty sure you can find on wiki today that just has a laundry list of all the weapons you could possibly get and the 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 pod things the, uh, the the options that would float around you, there was also there were also different ones of those. A lot of again, we're talking close to fifteen years ago. 
a lot of cool things to do in the uh, a lot of cool things to get in the game like the pro- the the progression of armor that you could get the different styles of armor the different types of weapons like you could have a you could have you could dual wield things you could have a i believe there was a fucking blade that had like a chainsaw on it uh as an example a lot a lot of cool th- that's one of the draws of an MMORPG is that you want to get something you want to have cool stuff you may see another player or another character that has this thing or maybe even you get a drop that nobody else has got and I'm specifically talking about Fantasy Star Online by the way because that this is all this is all standardized in the future but having that cool looking character was a draw for me I liked finding the cool looking weapons it would get to the point where I didn't care what the damage was I just wanted the thing to look cool um the economy in that game it did have I'm pretty sure it had some type of bartering or auction house I don't know how much of that I used and the reason why uh that game didn't have very many restrictions very many <laughs> yeah very many. Oh, look! Listen, I, I love that sound. That's the sound of somebody going. Oh yeah, I know where this is going. Uh, I played that game on the Dreamcast. I don't know if it was cross-platform. I don't know if any other consoles played it. I'm saying that as opposed to today, where there is cross-platforming for for certain games. But if you don't know. You can refer back to our cheating episode where we talk about cheating, but on the Dreamcast it had a game shark, and it might have a, it might have had a code breaker too. I, I don't know, but in an MMO RPG, an online game, you could put codes in to give you basically whatever the fuck you want, and a a big code that was usually put in and almost seen so much throughout that game was give your character nine 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 gold to the degree that I would come into an area in a lobby type area or whatever and some random fucking person would just walk up to me stand still drop nine 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 gold and then just walk off <laughs> I'm like thank money was not an issue in that game so the the I, I may I'm gonna retract that because it may not have had an economy system at all. Usually you buy things from vendors, and there were certain they would the the armors, the weapons, and whatnot they would scale up in the vendor. Yes, but you would have a better chance of finding cooler or better or more powerful items out in the real world. The but that right there just blew my mind. I think I've I had that happen to me probably within the first week or two, like just randomly. I think somebody actually went into a lobby area and was running around basically in like a circle and a zigzag or whatever, just running around the open area and just dropping these monies, just dropping like every single capsule would have like the maximum money. Nine, nine, nine. They drop a capsule, take a few steps, drop a capsule, take a few steps. drop. I'm like, what the fuck? You know, money is never an issue. You will never have to worry about money in this game. But you could take it a step further because uh, Game Sharks and Code Breakers had basically item modifiers where 
you could go to every single slot in your inventory and tell the game exactly what you wanted in that slot. Mm -hmm. You could tell it the item you wanted. You could tell it the weapon you wanted, the weapon color, the weapon strength, the modifier, if it had like a plus one, plus two, what the fuck ever. If it, what, what quality it was, like it, was it a, was it a progressively stronger weapon if it had like a one, two, three, or four star? So, even if you, if, in these, in this old MMORPG, sorry, if you spent four months in a dungeon and never got your drop, you just fucking go put a code in and get it, get it anyway. It's, it sounds bad. And I mean, it is in a way, and but it also it has a little bit of replay value, I guess, because then you can just go in there and personally customize whatever character you want. The bad side to this is the game had almost twenty four seven PvP, so you could be in the regular co op campaign area, and somebody just kills you and takes your shit. In that game, when you died, you dropped all of your money and all of your like weapons and armor and stuff. I don't know if the items went with it too, but I do remember equipment gets dropped. And it's there to be picked up by anybody. It wasn't a Dark Souls scenario where if you get back, if you got back there, you could grab it. I, I think. I don't know how instance areas worked. But the, the problem was people could come pick it up off of you. So, it had its ups and downs. It it was fun again on the initial playthroughs of making that drive to the end game. But for me, outside of like getting the most wackiest, craziest, or coolest, what I thought was the most badass equipment loadout, there really wasn't much uh, replay value after that. I don't think I've played another Fantasy Star since then. Uh, I actually made the mistake when I was overseas the first time of buying a Fantasy Star, which I misread and thought it was actually a single-player Fantasy Star for the original Xbox. Turns out, no, that was another Fantasy Star online port, and you had to have an online connection to play it. I didn't have fucking internet when I was in the desert, so I was shit out of luck with that game. But that was my first MMORPG. Yeah, I played a little bit of that only because you brought it up and told me I should play it. (laughs) (laughs) That, uh... That that's a little bit of a trend for the, yeah. the that game and the next one, because um, <laughs> I remember that it didn't work straight up with the Dreamcast. You actually had to have a disc that came with a different game to install the software for the game to work online. Or I don't remember exactly the process, but you're like, all right, you have this game, yeah. Okay, go get that disc out of it, install this, and then you can play uh, Fantasy Star Online. You know, I, I don't recall playing it very much. I just loaded it up, played with you a little bit, and then that was it. Yeah. It just kind of, I, I remember very little about it. I remember the insane drops. People would just drop yeah. these weapons all mm-hmm. over the place. Um, and that might have been what turned me off of it. Um, I don't recall what I was playing around that time other than like Sonic Adventure and Sonic Adventure 2. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure on the exact time frame we played, but yeah, it was, it was interesting. It was insane. I mean, for that time, <laughs> it was a very interesting thing. Like 
is probably my second MMO. I'm pretty sure I played RuneScape first. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was it was interesting. So the next MMO and the one I've played the absolute most is Final Fantasy XI. This game came out in Japan in 2002, but didn't hit North America until 2004 was the PlayStation 2 release mm-hmm. for North America. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what the PC release was. It might have been a little bit earlier. But I started playing on the PS2. And I played on the PS2 for the first four years or so of the play. Um, and it's it's funny thinking that, yeah, I've played this game for, you know, 14 years now, almost. Yeah. That's, yeah, wow. Um, so Final Fantasy XI is, as the name obviously uh, implies, is a Final Fantasy game. It, like the other Final Fantasies, doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the other ones, but it does carry over those uh, running themes of it, the job classes, the enemies, some characters, you know, there's a Sid uh, type thing. Um, There's a Moogle. Yep. The, The main, one of the main systems of the game is the job system. You can have every job leveled, or not every job leveled, but you can have, uh, God, I'm trying to think. Yeah, you can have every job leveled, but the crafting you couldn't level all of. Um, but on the job system, you had the, you know, you start out with the six options, and then you level those up, complete a quest, you unlock six more options, and you have sub-jobs. So the sub-job counts. You, as a sub-job, it can be half of the main jobs level. Um, so you can be a, you know, back in the day, the level cap, I think at the very beginning was like 50, but when it went to, by the time it was on PS2, it was at 70, I believe. And went up to 75. 75 was the cap for a while. Um, and so you'd have 75 of your main job, 37 of the sub job. Um, it had to be leveled up to that point to be that. So you could be like a level 75, you know, warrior, sub, uh, you know, level one monk or something in with it. Uh, It wasn't a, you know, automatic get those things. As you level, you get abilities and whatnot. The spells you actually had to either buy from NPCs, get from quests, you know, or buy from other people who did the quest, uh, get it from, you know, a drop, from an enemy. There were all kinds of ways to do these different things. And it, this, so Final Fantasy XI is, I think, hands down the best MMO I've ever played. It has very well done systems. And I mentioned this when we were talking about, I think it was on the Final Fantasy uh, series and review cast or episode. I talked about how I think it's the UI that really makes it such a great game because you have a, it's, you know, the constant, like in MMOs, you typically have the act of combat. I say typically, I don't know that any that don't, but you have the act of combat. So just like in a normal Final Fantasy game, you have the ATB set to active, same concept. You choose your stuff, but while you're choosing, the enemy's doing stuff as well. Um, 
and doing this, of course, with a group of people in what the game called parties or alliances. You have all this going on at once. But it had the, instead of a quick bar, like most MMOs have, you had a menu. So you have the menu, you know, and you're auto-attacking. Every character can auto-attack if you're, you know, uh, put yourself in attack mode on an enemy. But you had to go through, go, okay, I want to use this ability now, this spell now. You could set up, you know, basic macros in-game where you held a trigger and then you could move left and right, kind of on a quick bar type layout um, to kind of shortcut the things. But mainly you had the menu that drove what you did. Um, they've gotten more advanced with macros now where you can actually reference equipment sets and stuff. That's something new in the game where you can designate sets of equipment for certain things. Um, you So like when you're casting a cure spell, you want to be in gear that makes your cure more powerful, something like that. So you can have a set just for that. And generally, as long as you don't change your primary or offhand weapon, you don't have any negative effects from changing gear other than the stats, you know, change. If right. you change as a tank, if you're not in a tanking set, you're going to have a bad time. But generally speaking, you can still have a weapon skill set, you know, which you earn, uh, every time you hit, you earn uh, TP. And once you hit uh, X amount of TP, you could do your weapon skill. You save up more, it's more powerful, etc. has more effects. Um, uh, let's see. I think I counted it at 30, 30 jobs in the game now. Mm-hmm. Um, where when, when we started, there were 12. Sounds about right. Yeah. Cause you had the six starting and then an advanced for each. Uh, but they've, you know, like I said, expanded to, I think, 30 now. And they're pretty much mostly all well done. They do have an issue with balance, but that's, you know, kind of a, MMO thing, where you always have to struggle with balance. Um, you mentioned before how you had your rough time as a samurai, and uh, a samurai has been an up and down class. That during yeah. that period of time, yeah, it was rough to be a samurai. Not that they were bad, but other things were just so much better at most of what what people wanted to do mm-hmm. that they wanted their certain things. Of course, you have the other people and. Um, it's unfortunate you had that experience though, because like me, I purposely built groups around what people wanted to play. Mm -hmm. So there are still players out there that do that. Um, and especially now that the game's so old, people aren't being as picky. Um, but a lot of the players that are still playing are old players. So they have all, you know, pretty much all the jobs they care to play leveled anyway. Mm -hmm. So they have maybe six options for an event. Uh, some more geared than other probably have two main ones and then the other ones are backup in case they need to fill a role but for the most part people have multiple stuff at this point because they've been playing for so long it just kind of naturally happens um but yeah samurai is a really good example because back then you yeah, had an issue but then it got super broken it was ridiculously broken um <laughs> everybody wanted a samurai if you had more than one even better um though it got to the point, and I think it's still the case now somewhat, but it got to the point where if you have more than one samurai, it can actually cause a problem because uh-huh. there are things in the game called skill chains. 
where I mentioned the TP, you can use, you know, your weapon skills. Well, if you do certain weapon skills together, it will cause a skill chain, which does more damage, uh, different elemental effects based or type damage, um, whatnot. And a samurai is famous for being able to self-skill chain, uh-huh. where they do both weapon skills because they get TP so fast. Yeah. Um, that's what, TP? What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's like technique points or something like that. Um, I actually don't remember offhand what it is. Well, it's, uh, it's points that you need in order to do abilities. Yeah. It's, it's basically abilities. limit break bar, yeah. limit break points. But, uh, yeah, samurais, they were notorious for being able to do that themselves. So if you had two samurais, they'd actually have to coordinate and go, okay, I'm going, let me finish. Okay, I'm done, you can do yours now. Right. So it was, it was interesting, uh, dynamic, and the game has got to the point where there's so much uh, TP gain ability in the game that a lot of the uh, damage dealing classes can do it themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's not unusual now for a fighter or even a paladin, which is a tank, but a paladin can self-skill chain sometimes, uh, or actually fairly often now. Um, it's, it's a lot of good systems. The crafting system is interesting. Um, normally when you have a crafting system in a game, like from RuneScape on, you have your bar, which fills up with experience, and once you hit X amount of experience, your crafting level goes up. The way it works in Final Fantasy XI, you have a random chance to get a .1 to .3 skill up for each craft you do, assuming you're not over the level for it. If you're too low below the level, you have a higher chance of failing, too. And when you fail, you have a arbitrary amount of resources you could lose. You could use everything that was used in that craft or that crafting attempt, or you could keep it all minus the crystal that's used. Uh, all crafting requires a crystal mm-hmm. of a certain element. So you may lose everything. You may keep everything minus the crystal, of course. But it makes skilling up in that game very interesting in comparison to others, because others is like, okay, I'm going to make the same level one thing until I'm 99 if I want, um, because it's cheap and I can just spam it over and over and over and it doesn't matter. I'll just NPC it back. The NPC economy in 11 is terrible. Um, Everything is super overpriced uh, for the most part, at least from from a crafting perspective. The cost for materials and then selling it back is usually a loss. I'd say it's almost it's almost always a loss to mm-hmm. sell back after buying NPCs from from, mater- from buying materials from NPCs, not NPCs from materials. That's not how it works. Yeah. Um, so it made it it made the player economy very very important, and I will say that this is probably the best player economy I've seen as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the auction house system leaves a bit to be desired. They've actually improved upon it, which is interesting because they did not touch it. They at one point, because you have a limit of, uh, you can only post seven items to sell at a time. And some of those can be in stacks, but it's seven slots for items to sell at a time. And they at one point tried to raise that from like seven to nine or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it crashed the game. Wow. The servers literally could not handle it because the code behind the auction house is so bad. Um, but they've made some quality of life changes. You still can only post seven at a time, but 
but they've made it a little bit easier to post and a little bit easier to see the price history of items, which is something I love that they have the, uh, it shows the price history of the last 10 items that have sold, or 10, the last 10 times that item has been sold. Mm-hmm. So you can see the history of it, you know, what's been the going price recently, and it has dates on it. So you can be like, oh, it's sold, you know, for a thousand gil, you know, 10 times today at least. So then, but if you go on a different item, you're like, yeah, it's sold 50,000, but nobody's bought one for three months. Yeah. You know, is that because of supply? Is that because of no demand? You know, but overall, it's a very good economy in the sense that people sell things for what they're worth, generally right. speaking. They don't, you know, sell it for half the price it costs to make, which a lot of, and I'll get into this with a later game, but it makes it possible and even profitable when you're leveling up your craft, you know, making that money. Instead of having, okay, I'm going to go farm 50,000, you know, gill, and I'm going to drop it all in crafting and get maybe 10,000 back. No, if you're smart about it, you can farm that 50,000 and make, 55,000 back. Not a huge deal, you know, only 5,000 profit technically, but that's better than losing 40,000 of it. Yeah. Yeah. You've at least made your money back, and breaking even is the most important thing when you're, you know, leveling up a craft because you don't necessarily care about making the money. You're trying to skill up, and it's very important. And there are guides, you know, on the wiki, on the wikis about, you know, different routes to take while crafting just because these are things that either sell to an NPC for a decent price, even if they don't break even, or that sell to players constantly. Um, it Overall, I mean, the story aspect of it started off okay. I didn't have any issues with it, mm-hmm. but it got better as it went. So with the last one, with... Uh, Seekers of Adelin was pretty good, and then they added another one, uh, Rhapsody's Avenadil, which isn't a true expansion, um, but it was a, I don't know what they technically called it in the, you know, terminology of the game, but it's a basically an expansion, mini-expansion type thing. Maybe. That had, well, they have different things that are called add-ons. <laughs> So that's a that there are three add-ons for the game too, on top of the expansions. So this was a little bonus mission thing that didn't really get its own expansion name. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a you know additional story added plus some quality of life things added, new events added, which are you know every month they do some sort of rotation or uh, new event type thing to try to keep content fresh. Uh, which I'm way behind on because when I pick it up, I'm like, what do I do now? And by the time I've got any semblance of what I'm supposed to be doing again, I've moved on and I'm like, okay, I need to not dedicate too, so much time to an MMO when I got this huge backlog waiting on me. Yep. Um, but yeah, overall, I mean, very solid game, solid mechanics. I mean, overall, like I said, I think it's the best MMO probably out there right now. Uh, for numerous reasons. Man, you wouldn't... And this is going to get uh, to mine when I start talking about my 11. Uh, were, were you finished? I didn't want to cut you yeah. off. No, that's okay. fine. Uh, 
Chris, the backlog is the bane of our existence mm-hmm. as gamers. But yeah, that's what we are. So yeah, that's the bane of our existence because Final Fantasy XI was my second MMORPG. And I had a great time when I played it. I played it for a total of six, seven months the first time, and then maybe about two or three months the second time I played it. And you're saying, wait a minute, wait, did you quit the game? Yes, I did. More to follow. Uh, whole new game experience in the MMORPG realm for me when I played Eleven, Because, again, my only experience was coming from Fantasy Star Online. The game where people just dump money on you and items on you, and you, oh, you want the cool shit? Here you go. I can make that like nothing, and just I can just put something in and get it for free. Uh, that did not fly at all in eleven. When I uh, played eleven, number one, first and foremost, all hail the Grand King of the Stock. Yes, <laughs> sorry, Stoop, sorry. Uh, I made it a. It took me actually a couple tries to decide on the character that I wanted. I think I think I actually made a cat person, um, uh, a Mithra, for the yes. first. For the first, I made a human. I made a. It wasn't a human. Was it a human? The character a you human. mainly played was an elven. Yeah. Uh, the first. Then I made a human, and then I made an elven. El Elvon. I'm trying to remember the actual names. It was Mithra, Galka. Taru, Taru, Hume, Hume, and which Elvon. were humans? Yeah, and Elvon, which were elves. I mean, I think it's just Elven, but it's spelled with two A's instead of an E. Yeah, well, I, I don't say Elvon. No, I say Kokobo, So who cares? Oh, good lord! Yeah, well, I say, <laughs> I say Bastu because that's the way it is. Damn it! It's the best city in that game. No, no, no! It's Lastock. Whatever. Fuck all the haters. Sandoria, <laughs> fucking trash. Nope. Uh, Best music. Yeah. No. Oh no. <laughs> uh, point of fact, the city theme for Best Best Duke. I still pl- I'll play that right the fuck now. I love that. Tra- that has been the most one. No, it is the most memorable and my favorite track in that entire fucking game. But there are Final Fantasy Eleven has great music. Yes, I mean, it does. There's a lot of overworld themes that are that have to play repetitively in this game and it is amazing how crafted they are to where they are not you don't get bored with them if you like mm-hmm. a track you're not going to get bored with it. but so i made a character i got in this game first off i had to learn about the the co-op play that was link shells because mm-hmm. in in fantasy star that wasn't the case you could go to a lobby in fantasy star and you could hopefully meet up with the same people provided they were on the same time etc etc final fantasy 11 had what was called link shells. It was an item that you give, that another person gives to you, and if since he had the item and created another one from that one, a clone, a copy, so to speak, you and that yeah. person could communicate all, all the time if you are both online. You could both see that you were online, you could both talk directly to each other, etc., etc. This, dispersed amongst a, a lot of people, was how you formed, like, guilds or, or, or clubs. Yes, it's the equivalent of guilds, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So that was new. I played for probably a good maybe two or three weeks and never had one until a random cool person was like, hey, you seem like you're new. You should come join up with us. We've got, like, 20-something people, and we play together. So here's a link shell. 
think it was a link. Was it a link shell or link pearl they gave you? So overall, there was a link shell, which was also the general term for you know the group. But then the there were link pearl sacks, which were people in the link shell that were allowed to give other people link pearls. Mm-hmm. But the link pearl was what you actually equipped to communicate with the link shell. Yeah. So that was a whole new concept for me, and the the co-op aspect, the team aspect, I loved. It means I immediately had people who I could turn to that were always together as a group, and I could ask questions because I am nothing if not a question-asking person. Mm-hmm. Uh, immediately got railroaded when I was like, hey, I don't have any money. Can I have some? And they're like, yeah, that's not. Luckily, the people that I was talking to were nice enough to be like, yeah, that's not. We understand you come from PSO. That's not the way the game works here. So uh, I immediately started leveling my character. Uh, and I believe that you could, you basically could solo your levels till right around level 11 or 12, somewhere mm-hmm. like that. After that, pretty much mandatory from that point on, job class provided, you got to be in a party. Yeah. Uh, you're either, you you have one or two choices. You can sit around that starter area and get jack shit experience and level for four, maybe four weeks to get a level, or you join a party you all fight together. You all share the experience in a pool sort of thing, and then you experience that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe, and I mean, you you could you'd be better telling than I am. Back when I played, there was a class called the Beastmaster class, mm-hmm. and their task was they could they could c- control and manipulate the beast uh, type animals around uh, monsters around the world. Because they could do that, they could basically solo level themselves because they had a, a beast that was taking the damage for them. Yeah. But other than that, you're in a party for leveling. And it's gotten a lot better. Um, it, it was back in the day the Beastmasters were one of the big solo guys. Um, not so much because they could charm, which is their you know, big ability, is charming the enemies, but also uh-huh. because they had these items called jugs which actually let them summon a beast to use, and those tended to be uh, easier overall to use when leveling because you didn't have to worry about failing against a higher-level enemy because the way the game works is it has a rating system for the enemies you're fighting, and you get the best experience from enemies that are even match or higher because you can do experience chains. Mm -hmm. And if it was easy prey or Decent Challenge, which are the two before uh, even match that still give you experience, you didn't get that chain because they weren't hard enough. Mm-hmm. So Beastmasters could fight that even match to tough uh, level. But a party, which is a group of up to six, could fight very toughs and toughs. Um, typically, I think very toughs came a little later. It was kind of risky early on because you didn't have the MP pool on the healer, etc. to cover the uh, damage from a very tough. And they usually take forever to kill. So in the time it took you to kill a very tough, you could kill two or three toughs. So it was a balancing game and there were, you know, perfect spots to level. You had the dunes you went to when you were level 10. Uh, You could solo up to roughly 13 and it would be no problem. Uh, You'd get really slow around 12 though. So you're better off going 
roughly around 11 to the dunes and getting a party there. That was a go-to place. Um, that is a lot better now. Um, there for various reasons, but first and foremost, they actually increase the amount of experience you get from enemies. Nice. I think they reduced the party, uh, uh, the modifier that it was reduced by, what's the word I'm thinking of? The penalty, the party penalty to mm-hmm. the experience. They reduced that as well, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, I don't know if it's actually a penalty reduction. They just increased the base experience so much that it seems like it. But yeah, they certainly made it easier to solo and in party do it. They've added these other, uh, books that you find around the world that give you these mini, uh, quests so to speak to kill x number of enemies and they reward you with experience so on top of the experience you get for killing the enemies you get these pages they're called from the books and they give you experience as well for x number you kill so now the parties have they were already killing the crabs in the dunes now they're going to kill the crabs in the dunes plus one or two leeches here and there or whatever the combination was of enemies and get you know twice as much experience um, there's also NPCs you can summon now to, because of the player base going down. It made sense. They had an NPC from almost the beginning that you could have, but is essentially worthless. Hmm. But now they actually have Adventuring Fellows, I think they're called is the correct terminology, where they're actually in story-related NPCs that will join you and fight with you. Hmm. So you, you're summoning basically a copy of them, I think is the you know lore reason you're doing it. it's like a shadow version or something like that but to help explain you know how they're in two places at once or something like that and yeah so so yeah you the, the, that appealed to me i mean you you there was there was a team aspect in pso but this was this was more it was a co-op it was a, it was an endeavor for the entire party uh, having abilities yeah. that had to be linked together, you had a healing class, etc. All that they, it was just it was another build on the MMORPG that I already knew. Uh, very rough early early memories. Number one, I mean, first and foremost, I, it's been close to fifteen something years since I played this game, so all of my details are gonna be very 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 foggy. But my concept of like, you know bosses what you know i think back then they were called nms like notorious monsters yeah notorious monsters so much of that is so different for me now than what i remember i remember fighting a boss or two in final fantasy 11 uh but the the ways to, to, to go about them they're just so different than what they are now uh so i progressed up through the levels uh i dabbled in crafting here and there but nothing too nothing too solid i got bored very quick with crafting so i didn't play too much in that uh i leveled up in my job i picked samurai solely because it was the cool fucking class not because <laughs> it was the coolest class in the game not because people told me it was going to be well for me i said oh i can play as a samurai that's what i want to do and I did, and apparently back in the day, that was a misstep because Samurai was not well-received in parties. Uh, this was one of the first early detriments of the game for me, was that it was very class-specific down to the party makeup of those classes. There were parties that would be, they would demand, we want this job, this sub-job, 
this job, this sub job, et cetera, et cetera, times four. That's exactly what we want. If you don't have this job and this sub job specifically, we're not going to put you in our party. Which, okay, not too bad to think of if there's, you know, 20, 30, 40 parties looking for a makeup. But for whatever reason, just samurai as a, as a either main class or sub, I forget which one I had, but I just wasn't favored. Was all, were, were always sitting in town with a hand up or a little indication saying, hey, I'm looking for a group and never yeah. got picked up. Would go to the extent of sort of politely bugging people like, hey, I'm looking for a party. Are you guys in need of one? It's like, no, we don't need you. It was so bad. It aggravated me so much. It aggravated me more because I took this class above and beyond. I made sure to master whatever it is I had to. I could use a staff. I could, I could use a spear. I could use a sword. I could use a bow. I could pull enemies with no problem. I loved pulling enemies. I could pull them correctly and not pull multiple enemies or pull outside of my zone. I could skill link or skill chain with anybody, no matter what. I could add something to it. may not have been the, the maximum damage you could get in a party, but I could do it. But they didn't want that. They wanted these specific jobs and these specific classes, what have you, because they would have the, max, the, the optimum healing, the optimum damage taking, and the op- optimal damage output. If you didn't have them, you were just pretty much shit out of luck. So that was a turnoff. The money thing also became a bit of a turnoff because the further you go up, uh, and this is because of my lack of ignorance because I didn't get to fucking party that much and I didn't get these rare, cool drops, these powerful, uh, strong armor drops or weapon drops. Uh, if I wanted new equipment or new new weapons... I needed money for them to buy them in the auction house. The problem was you made very, very, very small money in the world and shit required a lot of fucking money to buy. So this was not this was a standard RPG trope that was completely thrown out of the water for me. In RPGs, if you need money, you just go to a comparable uh, experience level area, fight fight things that are a little stronger than you, and you'll get you'll get a good, a decent amount of money. Mm-hmm. Rinse and repeat about five, six, seven times. You got the money you need, go buy your weapon. Final Fantasy XI does not work that way. You go out in the real world and fight anything, you're getting three gil, two gil, 17 <laughs> yeah. gil, four gil. Yeah. The item that you want, a consumable item, costs you 5,000 gold. The yeah. weapon you want costs 78,000 gold. So you can't go out and farm gold that way. So you had to go out and, and literally actually farm uh, items from enemies, which means you go out and you kill an enemy, you hope it, it drops what you need. Hopefully it'll drop a few of what you need. But it's an RNG. Number one, it's an RNG for the item for the, for the enemy to spawn. It's another RNG for the item to drop. For those that don't know, RNG is random number generator. It is a colloquial term used to describe, hey, I want this thing to happen. And it's basically a, a dice roll. It's basically a yeah. gamble that it will or will not happen. Our MMORPGs revolve around RNG. It's all that it's about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll, I'll get into that more when we get into the later titles too. But, so the, the fact that the job that I wanted to play was not favored was one. And in the money situation where it was pretty much you either need to go farm which you're competing against people who are actually guild farming or something, so people were taking your drops or taking your enemies, 
or go craft. And I got bored with crafting very quickly, very easily, because for me it was very repetitious, and I dropped it all together. So I said, okay, if one more thing deters me, I'm probably going to drop this game. And it was, I'm playing, I was playing one game. I was only playing that game. Granted, I only played Breath of the Wild for 340 hours. I played Final Fantasy XI and only Final Fantasy XI for six and a half, seven months. So I politely put Final Fantasy XI down, had some good memories, had some good times. I love the whole entire quest line of getting the, uh, of getting Samurai, period. Yeah. Dropped the game in the two months before I went back to Eleven. I put 64 games underneath my belt. I just went out and played games, beat them. Played a game, beat it. Bought a fuck ton of games. I just fucking binged on different games. Well, came back to Final Fantasy XI, and I mean, it's 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 the draw of the game. The, the there there's so many feel good moments in an MMORPG. Typically, they're gonna draw you back in. And I, I missed the game, I missed the music, I missed the leveling, I missed the partying. Uh, I just turned uh, either a blind eye to the shit that I didn't like or figured I could do something better. Maybe I could just should just quit being stubborn and actually get into crafting. Uh, the second time I played it was very nondescript, very, very... I, I, I played it for a couple more months and ended up quitting it all together. Uh... And then it went back to again to successfully playing and beating just lots of other games. So I had I had some time with Final Fantasy XI. I enjoyed it. I I quit when there was two, maybe three expansions out. There there there's like sixty seven expansions now. So has a lot of content to the game. It's still being played today. There are mm-hmm. private servers set up to where hardcore people are still playing today, even though Square doesn't support it anymore. Still good. It's still worth a playthrough. I I could go back to it. I actually bought on Steam one of the like final definitive collector editions that has like everything in the game. Mm-hmm. And I mean, to be honest, just for the music alone, I, I'd probably go back. But yeah, that that closed my chapter of Final Fantasy Eleven. And I did not see another MMO for probably close to twelve, thirteen years. <laughs> so. And how how many more MMOs do you have? You have just the one. I only have one. Okay, yes. I've got five more on my list. Holy shit! <laughs> um, real quick about eleven though, I do think you suffered the money issue a lot because of not getting into crafting, mm-hmm. um, especially when it comes to making like consumables. Uh, I I am a crafter when it comes to MMOs. I should have started with that and I kind of touched on it with RuneScape, with my mining and fishing. I had some combat skills, but my crafting skills are most always higher. Uh, in Final Fantasy XI, as an example, I had a level 99 out of 100 uh, cooking skill before I had a level 75 job. Mm-hmm. And the 99 to 100 for cooking was really difficult back in the day. It was a very tedious and inconvenient and didn't really matter. So I just didn't do it. I could have. But I didn't feel like sinking the time into it. But as I would level, I would literally, at one when I first started out, I would literally take loans from people in my link shell. I'd be like, all right, can I, I would like to borrow. And I start out with low numbers, 20,000 gil from someone, 
I will pay you back 30,000. You know, mm-hmm. that's a 50% increase. Um, so they would do that. I would pay them back, but I would make more than that in the process. So I'd borrow a little bit more. And I got to the point where I think my last loan I took from someone was like a hundred thousand gil. Mm-hmm. And then I paid them back, you know, like 125,000 or something like that, because it was a pretty quick turnaround. And I was making one of the lower level cooking items, which at that point I could do high quality uh, sense of synthesis of, and crafting in the game is synthesis. Um, you're synthesizing the things. I'm just going to say crafting because I can pronounce that better. Um, <laughs> but you could get high quality results, and that would either be more of the item or a better version of the item. So I was making an item called Myth Kebabs, which raised attack. And you could get Chief Kebabs from that, which raised attack even more. Um, So, and because it was low level, and once you're like 10 levels above the cap for a recipe, you have a higher chance of getting a high quality result. Mm -hmm. So I would take those loans initially just to help level. And then once I got the Myth Kebabs, I took the loans to make money faster because I would fill up my inventory and bazaar uh, the items, which was putting them up for sale on my character. So when people would find me, they'd check me and then they could go to my, what am I selling inventory, which is called a bazaar vice, the auction house, which, you know, just posted and hope someone buys it. I could, I would literally AFK in the dunes where we're talking about people leveling and the people leveling would come by, you know, to do their leveling, see me, check me. Oh, hey, here's some food I can use while I'm leveling up. I'll buy a couple. And I would just literally sit there, you know, aside from my internet disconnected for 24-7 for, you know, when I'm not actually playing the game. Uh, all my downtime was at school, doing whatever, sleeping. I'd have my character there selling items. Yeah. So I'd make back that money I was borrowing. And once I got a, you know, personal bank of, you know, my own 50000 to 100000 I didn't need to borrow money anymore because I had this recurring income. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, with all the changes they made in the game, it got way better later. Yeah. Uh, I, I, could talk, I could talk about Final Fantasy XI all night, so should probably move on. <laughs> I would say for the sake of time, since I know the other MMORPG that you and I both have played, mm-hmm. if you could skim through the other four, maybe sure. lightly touch on them. The other we'll- five. Yeah, yeah cool. the other four, other than the one, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so the next one I played was Lord of the Rings Online. I've talked about this a little bit before. The game, it, it was a pretty standard MMO, I would say, going from like a WoW to a, a Lord of the Rings Online. It probably played pretty similar in, overall. Uh, the best thing about the game was all the lore in it from the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings universe. Awesome to play through, see all the stuff. I played a hunter. Um, there was no multi-classing. A class was your character. So if you want to play a different class, I think I had like three characters at one point. Um, but I always fell back to my hunter because I like being able to trap enemies and basically solo pretty easy. Um, it didn't have It didn't have any sort of matchmaking capability. I think it does now, but back then it didn't. You would just stand where the flag was or the starter was for some boss fight or something and wait for other people to show up. Mm -hmm. This was the first instance where I saw 
in-game chat audio, audio chat. So you could actually talk over, you know, voice with the people that joined your group, yeah. um, which is awesome. You don't have to rely on something third party, uh, which I didn't do anyway uh, for even 11 uh, until like last year when I played it again. Um, so it was really interesting that they had that in there. Uh, but like I said, I mainly played it for the lore. Uh, didn't really do any in-game type stuff. Didn't really care. It was just fun to explore and see mm-hmm. all the things. Oh, hey, yeah, this was in the book. This was in the movie. You know, this is legitimately canon. Everything in it is canon to the thing, other than there wasn't this, you know, super powerful hunter running around helping the uh, group on their quest. Um, the the next game which I had completely forgotten about until I found a paper related to it while moving last month, or a little bit over a month ago now, is Pirates of the Caribbean Online. Oh, wow. Wow, so okay. It was literally right around on your ship. Um, I, I don't honestly remember a whole lot about it. I just know I have this little flag, you know, Skull and Crossbones flag with Pirates of the Caribbean Online on it, and I have the... Uh, intro starter papers that they send you, you know, with the game and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't know. I obviously didn't care a whole lot about it because I didn't keep playing. I think it's one of those things I was like, oh, hey, this looks pretty cool. Yeah, it wasn't no black flag. Um, but it, it was it was fun for what it was, the little bit I played of it, riding around on a ship, you know, doing uh, naval battles and stuff. There just wasn't a whole lot to it, I don't think. Um the next game I played was Rift, which I talked about a little bit on a previous cast. Uh, it was one of the MMOs where you have a skill tree for your class, and based on what you saw, and you actually had like three options in your skill tree, so that would kind of drive what kind of character you were, whether you're a tank, damage dealer, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mentioned that I stopped playing this one because they completely changed the skill tree for my class. So where I was a Justicar, or Justicar, whatever you want to call it, um, I believe it's Justicar, uh, my my build is completely invalidated. They completely took away skills, so I literally could not use the same build. And that just killed it for me. Because um, I was in that cycle of, I need in-game gear, but I can't do in-game because I don't have any gear to do in-game with. Um, so it was very frustrating. Um the next one I played is actually by the same company, uh, Tryon. Uh, well, technically they're publishers. Yeah. Because there's another company behind it. I think they actually did Rift, but Arcage has another company behind it, Excel Games. And yeah, so they kind of are the platform host, whatever you want to call it. Um, but Arcage is. A, it's also tree-based, but you have multiple class-type things you can pick from. Um, and they're, overall, the game is fairly enjoyable as far as overall mechanics go. Mm-hmm. My issue was crafting is garbage. The game, <laughs> the game economy is garbage. It, it's ridiculous. Uh, and I say game economy, player economy. Mm-hmm. Um, because you will, 
even farming these items. So one other deterrent for the game is it has a labor system, which is basically like a mobile game. You earn these points of stamina you can use over time to keep you coming back and having to wait and come back, you know, to do it some more. Mm -hmm. So first off, you have this limit on what you can craft. Sure, you can buy these potions that give you more labor points to use, but they either cost real money or you have to pay in-game gold to someone who paid real money. Um, there aren't really a whole lot of options of getting labor other than that. Um, there are items that would give you a little bit more each day and type stuff, but nothing overall that really helps a ton. Mm -hmm. um, so you have this limited resource that is labor, and you craft, and they have proficiencies and stuff. This is one where you earn the experience and you level up the craft, and you unlock the things at the higher proficiencies. And the higher proficiency, you have the less labor it costs. So it, it, you know, it's good for you to take a craft as high as you can take it if you're going to stick with be crafting those items routinely. Yeah. Um, so leveling a craft is very slow because you're stuck on your you know 5,000 labor you can have at once, which is you only get, I think it's 3,000 per day, roughly, labor. Mm -hmm. So once a day you can hop on and use around 3,000 labor, which isn't a whole lot in the grand scheme of things. But then after all your hard work you've put into, you know, spending your labor, farming the mats, you go to, you know, sell an item on the auction house, and it sells for nothing. Wow. It's like, in some cases, like a third of the price. It's like, even if you don't, and the way I calculate is I put a value on labor based on, you know, how much does a potion cost to give me a thousand labor. Divide that up, you know, that's my one point of labor cost X number of silver or something in the game. Yeah. Uh, the game uses a bronze or a copper, silver, gold type money system. So it's like, okay, that's X number of silver per labor point. Even not calculating that in because it technically doesn't cost me anything, I'm still losing like half my money for that item. And that's everything. There are almost, there are, there are very few crafting things that are worth it. I actually made the most money from crafting, I think, aside from when I once got a super high quality result over and over. So I ended up selling something for like 10,000 gold. But generally speaking, the best profit I made was right after an update. I had saved those labor potions because I don't actually play the game. I just log in daily or, you know, someone else logs in for me on my computer daily and gets, you know, the daily stuff. So I had these labor pots saved up. And after they did a patch, I was able to basically power level using these potions. One of my crafting levels up to a new proficiency that I just unlocked. And I was able to, you know, be one of the early crafters of this new item. Yeah. So I was able to sell that, you know, until other people caught up. But of course, as soon as other people caught up, they tanked to about a tenth of the price I was selling them for. Which was reasonable. I wasn't overinflating or anything. I was selling at a good market value. Um, and I even tried really hard. I, I actually lost um, probably a thousand gold in the process, but I was actually buying up the lower selling uh, items and reposting them at the price I was trying to keep it at. So I, I lost about a thousand gold in the process trying to keep the market un under control because they flooded it that bad. 
So that was bad. Yeah, and the other thing I don't like about it is there's PvP forced in like 80% of the zones. Um, so that's a killer for me because I don't want to be, you know, level 30 getting uh, killed every few minutes just trying to do the leveling up quests. I actually leveled mostly through crafting because crafting in this game actually gives you experience for your main level too. So I crafted most of the way from like 30 up to 55 or 60 is the limit now, I believe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I pretty much all done it with, I've done it all with crafting because I just didn't want to deal with the PvP aspect. And I'll let you talk about the next game. Sure. Uh, I know what the next game is. It's uh, our, I guess, well, both of our currently last ones. And the last one for tonight's <laughs> conversation, I suppose, as well. Is So, after this long hiatus of not playing an MMO, I had swore off MMORPGs altogether in any aspect. Because the main driving force being... I can play so many other games instead of just mm-hmm. devoting myself to one game. I can devote myself to one game, but uh, it, that dynamic always got to me. That draw of playing other games and moving on and progressively playing other titles just always drew to me. And then sometime in 2014-ish, I saw a fucking video game article for Final Fantasy fourteen which showed a character riding a Magitek armor. And thus, <laughs> I went down the rabbit hole of, well, mm-hmm. I guess I gotta play this game now. Guess I got to. And I slowly, over time, talked myself into getting back into MMORPGs, and subsequently, Final Fantasy XIV was where I landed. It was odd getting back into the MMORPG world, but not so much giving the ease of play that Final Fantasy XIV is known for. It is definitely a... Well, I wouldn't say definitely, but it ha- it has some watered-down aspects to the large MMORPG-like engine, so to speak. It has a lot of... It eases you into things so much. There is a good deal of hand-holding for the first part of this game. But once you get past the tutorial stuff and the first, you know, early tutorial quest, you're on your own. So it 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 lets go at a decent enough pace. For me, Final Fantasy XIV was a great experience. I had fun. I enjoyed it. A lot of a lot of uh, mechanics in this game and a lot of decisions that went into making this game what it is. You can totally see it was cherry picked from other MMORPGs. They they didn't really do a whole lot new. They didn't really reinvent the wheel, but that's okay. They took a lot of core aspects that make certain MMORPGs work. They combined what they put together what could work. They discarded what wouldn't. Didn't put it in the game, and uh, they they made a good experience out of the whole thing. Uh, for those that don't know the trivia of this game, this game was released twice. I'll say that again. This was two releases for one MMORPG. Yep. It was initially released, and it was horrible. The, ah, that's the major- opinion. Well, yeah, that's well. <laughs> the the large majority consensus is it was it was utterly shit. So, to the point to where Square said, "Okay, we're." 
stopping the whole thing. They cut the servers. They quit funding the game. And then they took it back to the drawing board. This is something I always respect about this game. Especially uh, Yoshi P. The fact that they went back to the drawing board and said, okay, we fucked that up completely. We need to make this better. We need to make it way, but we need to make it more approachable. We need to make it more balanced, more fair. And thus it got re-released with the uh, subtitle A Realm Reborn, which mm-hmm. literally was Bahamut got was raised, came in, destroyed pretty much the whole fucking world. And there you go. It was a realm. Yeah. Re- it was a world reborn. Uh, started this one, I picked a Lancer because it was going to go to Dragoon, and Dragoon had the coolest armor. Now, <laughs> mind you, this is 20, no, well, yeah, this is maybe like 29, 30-something-year-old me, so I'm well into the gaming world by now. I could have read, you know, maybe move lists and found out other aspects about this game to decide what I want. I just stuck with Lancer because I like the Dragoon look, and there I went. A lot of differences in Final Fantasy XIV from eleven for me. One being uh, like the magic system. I mean, you had... you they ba- Final Fantasy XIV uses fire predominantly as, as uh, damage-dealing magic. Uh, I didn't... That that's new. There was there's no weakness system in that. Like you don't use fire against wood creatures. You don't use feist to to damage ice wielding people. Like none of that. Uh, the for me the crafting experience in that game was much better. It was more fluid for me. It had a lot more active inputs into it. Made it better for me. Uh. Now, here one thing about the crafting system that really got me, and I do like the input system to it, even though it's super repetitive and kind of annoying. But I just set up a keyboard keyboard macro at one point for mine. But and this this has kind of been fixed a little bit um, from even from the original version and A Realm Reborn when it first was released. But the plus versions of items, there are so many of them, and the inventory space just couldn't keep up with it. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, I got into I got into a few groups. Same same thing. They had uh, link shell type uh, style setting in the game where you basically group with people. It was awesome. I like that. I like the progression through the game, uh, where it had story and side mission objectives. A lot of content. A lot of content. And the, and that's just the initial game. Uh, it still, at the end of the day, was an MMORPG. So, eventually, that was going to wear out. But I had many ways to subvert boredom in this game. I made it a point to have, later down the road, I had uh, one, one, my main character had one job of every main class, which your main classes were a tank and a healer and a damage dealer. I had one of each. I had a warrior, a dragoon, and a white mage. Uh, I had one character of every race, so by the time I quit, that was six characters total, all to level 60, yada, yada, yada. I'm not bragging, I'm just saying this is something that I worked on. These are things that just helped me pass the time. I also got into raiding. Raiding was a brand new thing for me, even though apparently this was a thing back in Final Fantasy XI. I just didn't have yeah. raid, I didn't have raid group or raid group associations. 
raid groups for those that are unaffiliated with MMORPGs. They're basically where you get a group together and you go fight pretty powerful enemies. They're stronger and more powerful than the main story game elements. And usually they, not only are they difficult, they require more, more skill on your part. They have a lot more mechanics, have a lot right. more things to look out for. The result of it being, the reward of it being, usually you tend to get better, you, you tend to get better armor, better weapons, mm-hmm. what have you. Uh, I got so far up in that chain that I created a raid group of my own. I raided with eight, uh, with seven other people at least twice a week. Had a good time moving up the raid progression chain. I enjoyed getting new items. I enjoyed getting new armor. I enjoyed the accomplishment in general of being with seven people and conquering a raid. I also hated the the idea of being with seven other people and playing in a raid because they got to the point where literally one fuck up and that's it. The whole entire raid's garbage. Yeah. Restart the fight. I heard. I hear that over time that it's gotten better. They've implemented different uh, tactics to get around that. That's cool. It's already been past my time though. Um, I did a lot in that game. I played that game for probably over maybe a year, year and a half consecutively. I never dropped the game. I never quit it. I just quit it. Well, I didn't quit it and come back. I just quit it altogether. Right. A lot of good times. A lot of good memories. A lot of fun. Uh, being online on like a on like a VOIP, just talking to people. Uh, voice over internet protocol, basically a chat program. So you get to talk with the people that you're raiding with, or you can talk to people in your free company, which is basically your uh, your link shell, your your group of people that you party with and talk to on on a day to day day to day basis. I didn't mind initially. I didn't mind doing uh, the dailies. I didn't mind doing getting the experience required. I I didn't mind doing the grind. Once I got past the grind, things were a lot better. I slowly got into into uh into crafting, but I did that enough to where I had the money or the funds to do what I needed to do, and then I moved on. I didn't get too too hardcore into it. The all in all. If I had more time, I could gush about this probably as much as Chris about eleven. Well, maybe nowhere, no, nowhere near because you play you played that for like sixty-two years. I didn't play this that long. I mean, I'm still but, technically playing. I just haven't exactly. in a few months. Exactly. But I had a really good time playing fourteen. It was a memorable experience. I enjoyed it. I wasn't upset that I went back to it. Uh, I didn't feel like I was working at any point of it really until later down the road when I did. A few reasons why I stopped playing Final Fantasy XIV. They were all personal reasons. Uh, one, my work schedule was... I had taken on a, a different job that my work schedule bounced. I never had the same nights off or same days off. I never knew when I was going to working. And being a raid leader and you telling people you need to be here this night and this night, but you, eh, yeah, maybe you are, maybe you're not, I didn't. that didn't bode well with me. I didn't feel good about that at all. Even though I had a great raid group and they were like, we don't care. We'll, we'll raid when you're here. We'll raid when you're not here. We just miss having you around. But I didn't like that. So I left my raid group. I actually passed it off to my wife, who is the current leader of it. Uh, she'll actually be... Uh, she, she still plays to this day. She has a great time with it. Uh, that was one. Two... 
the fucking itch of other games got back to me again. Again, <laughs> I have been playing this game by itself and nothing else for a long time. And you say, well, hold on now. That game doesn't require you to play all the time. Or does it? Because you still have raids, that, or you still have dailies you have to do every day. You have to do things in that game which require hours and hours of your time daily. Eventually, and apparently it took that long to hit for me. Some people it don't, some people it hit sooner, but it took that year, year and a half for me to go, man, this is becoming work. This is coming, this is me getting home, logging in, getting, doing, doing this dungeon, doing this dungeon, doing this dungeon, doing this dungeon, doing these things, getting some experience, maybe doing a map quest, maybe doing this, and then, alright, well, I'm, I want to go play something else. That, eventually just wore on me. And yeah. for whatever reason, I just became dis- I I just basically became bored with the game. Not in a hateful way. It just didn't have that shock and awe and draw for me anymore. I made it through I think the first expansion of that game and then politely quit. They, they, the game's still going, still going strong, still doing great. It, uh, uh, another thing I like about it was that they have, a, they would have patches that would drop every three months. That was every three months you were guaranteed to get new content, probably a new dungeon. There were new enemies, new weapons, a shit ton of patches and fixes, and quality of life changes. That was every three months, and then they, like other MMORPGs, followed suit with. Every year, they're doing expansions, which is a shit ton of new content, a whole lot more dungeons, a whole lot more enemies, whole etc., etc. I do like the additional content idea that they go for in that game. The story was good, too. They, there's new story content all the time. so It's a good MMORPG. I have not played World of Warcraft at all, so I cannot give you a definitive. These are the exact differences. All I can say from my experience is that the ease of Final Fantasy fourteen, the the way that they 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 bring you in through that game, I love it. It's it's very easy to get into and continue to play Final Fantasy fourteen. If you're looking for a RPG to start with. I suggest starting there. It's going to treat you right all the way around. But for me, to this day anyway, to this recording, MMORPGs, they're just, they're not for me anymore. They're, they're, they get to a point to where they're repetition, even if they have new content, all that. There's still the idea of if you want to move forward and or if you want to be relevant in whatever you're doing, you're going to have to do this every day. Not you want to do this, you have to do this. And this kind of the same thing too, like the gold issues and all that. I don't know. It just, it's just not for me. I had fun when I played it. I can say that I've been there, done that. Metal, again, just like with Eleven, met a lot of good people, met a lot of good friends that I still talk to this day. But I... Wash my hands of MRPGs and then spent 340 hours playing Breath of the Wild. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's I, I so I played 14 from the I don't know if it was the very end of the closed beta or I just started with the open beta, but I played it from pretty much the start. 
And that's actually, I've talked about before, that's why I have a website, because I hosted the files um, for the patches, because their system was so terrible at the time. But uh, I, I don't know what it is about 14 that I just can't keep playing it. It's like, oh, I could log into 14 and, you know, I, I started playing again. Um, one, because the oldest was interested in it, because two, you know, I could hop on and uh, I joined your free company. And I was, of course, too low level to really do anything together, but it was still cool to play together with little we did. And I just, I felt like whenever I loaded it up, I was like, why am I not just playing 11? Because yeah. um, I've already gone through essentially this process, which, yes, it's different mechanics, sort of different classes in some cases, but ultimately, you know, different name, same type of job class. Um, the, I, I don't know. I do, like I said, I like the crafting mechanic. Um Initially, anyway. It gets very repetitive. Um, So it's kind of tedious to go, okay, well, let's see. I'm going to craft this based on the skills I have for my craft. I'm going to hit 4, 1, 3, 2, and that'll give me the ultimate result for this craft. Okay. Do a next one, 4, 1, 3, 2, blah, 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 blah. That's why I said I set up keyboard macros to where it would macro the different abilities I wanted to use for each craft and just keep going through them. Because um, I was going to do 20 of them, and I wanted this result, hopefully, so I just, it was very tedious. Um, my, I think my favorite change they've made in that game was when they changed the gathering system. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of what it was before, but now you get to pick what you're going for, right? I believe so. Yeah. I don't know if they've changed it since I've stopped playing Okay. Yeah, before it used to be a bar that you had to stop, I think. It may have been not all gathering, but some of it. But anyway, it was a very kind of absurd system, I thought, and very uh, limited. It Or too grindy. I don't know exact verbiage to put on it, but it was not a good system. But they changed it to where you choose what you want. You have so many attempts at that, you know, item. So you can either go, okay, well, I want to go for this 10% item knowing that I'm risking, you know, getting nothing. Or I'll go for the 90 to 100% item that I'm guaranteed to get. And depending on what you want, you can actually go for gathering the specific item you want. Instead of, okay, I'm going to mine this ore node and I hope I get, you know, silver instead of iron uh, type thing. Um, and of course those percentages go up the higher gathering skill you have. So I really like that change they made to the gathering system. Everything else, I could take it or leave it. Um, like I said at the beginning of this, uh, I felt like when I'm playing 14, why am I not just playing 11? You know, it's funny, and I'm going to end it on this. When you say that, it and this is topical, I'm hitting two, hit, I'm hitting two notes with this one. All right. When you say... When I'm playing Final Fantasy 14, why am I not playing Final Fantasy 11? When I was playing Monster Hunter Try, I was saying, why am I not playing Dark Souls? <laughs> Thanks for listening tonight, everybody. We hope we haven't been too long-winded, but hey, it's our podcast. We like to talk. It happens often. We're really going for that 100-hour mark. That's what we're really trying to do. <laughs> so, 
what MMORPGs have you played? If you haven't, what are you interested in? Are you interested at all? What things do you, what things come to your mind when you think of MMORPGs? Uh, be it negative or positive. If you want to play, what things intrigue you? If you don't want to play, if you say fuck those games, why? What things turn you off? We would love to have a conversation with you. We'd love to have a have a talk about MMORPGs with you and get your feedback. You can send that feedback to us through many different methods. We have a Facebook page. It's probably where you found us to get to here. It's the End of Time Cast Facebook page. We have an email at endoftimecast at gmail.com. That's endoftimecast at gmail.com. No funny spelling or numbers in there, just as you heard it. We have a Twitter page. You can send us tweets. Haven't been tweeted yet or twitted yet either. Neither one. <laughs> Shame. Give us feedback, folks. Guaranteed you're going to get some response from us. And we'd love to know what you think about anything we talked about on this episode, any episode, or anything on your mind. That's going to do it for tonight. And until next time, I'm Michael. I'm Chris. Good night, everybody. Bye.